Hello. There we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Texas Podcast Massacre. I'm indeed your host, Hank Rodriguez, and joined with me are the other hosts, the, ex- the horror experts, the best horror experts in Texas. That's what I'm going to go with. There we go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, That's right. Uh, not, not, not horror. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? You got Cody, Cody, Derek, how you doing, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm so excited for uh, What's up? Trying to enunciate. What is up? Yes. Zip, 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 zip. There we go. That's what we need. All right. Give the view what they want. Yeah, man. This is the best time of year. The the what's up master for Halloween. That's what what That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the how's it going master. That's it. Exactly. (laughs) How do you do? Oh, oh, man. Uh, So. Oh, man. Uh, so much to talk about on this podcast. There, there is, and there's like actually a big announcement that I wanted to make because I know we've been talking about it. Um, so we are. Uh, I just wanted to make the announcement. I know we kind of made it earlier um, at the beginning of 2021, uh, and we're going to be promoting this, you know, throughout the next couple of months here, the next few months of 2020, uh, to get us crossed over. Uh, but we are moving off of the Tank Rodriguez show. And uh, we're gonna be our own movie podcast. We're getting uh, getting away from that motherfucker tank. Uh, we're not gonna have <laughs> any dealings with him anymore. <laughs> he hasn't paid the royalties. He hasn't he paid he the just, royalties. He just brings the show down anyway. He man. just brings it down. Like like who who really likes Repo the Genetic Opera, right? You know what I mean, guys. Uh, he tries to stifle my subs. <laughs> Exactly. Doesn't let me be myself. So, um, do you all want to announce the name, or are we still working on the name? What is the name? We, I, the name of the movie, or this this podcast specifically? The the podcast. Like I'll put it in the chat right now. Well, I, I mean, because we, because we're the the, the see. M- as far as I'm concerned, we had the movie, the umbrella of like both of them. Like the housing was yeah. Was, so that's going to be both. It's going to house both of them. Yeah. Yeah, but like this horror one, is we still calling that the best little horror house in Texas, or no? Is that out the window? I don't even know. I know. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't. We we you know what we did? We set this up for failure. Exactly. <laughs> so no. The okay. Big so look, is we don't know. What we're talking big amounts and people, we don't know jack shit about what we're doing. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> I get. I guarantee you, nobody is surprised by that. Yeah. Exactly. So oh, we were gonna go with uh, movie misfits. I thought. Yeah, yeah, the umbrella. The umbrella, yes. Like, but then we have the horror episode and the action episode. Yeah, it's gonna house both of them. Yeah. And it's just gonna gonna be the movie misfits, and we talk about horror movies, we talk about action movies, and hey, you know what? If you want to talk about comedies, we can. Because that's I want want to talk. I want. I'm talking some rom com, rom coms, and uh, exactly period pieces, and uh, let's talk about uh, Downton Downton Abbey. Well, uh, maybe not. I don't know. You know what? 
don't call it movie misfits if I can't be a misfit. Well, but downtown Abbey's not a, like a, it's considered like a like a cultural it's, hit, you know. First off, it's Downton Abbey, not Downtown Abbey. I, that, I can give two shits. I like my, I is. like my I like my Abbey's downtown. I like to take exactly. my my my, <laughs> my downtown Abbey's <laughs> in a manger and a baby a baby Abbey. <laughs> six six ounce. Three ounce baby Jesus, in my, my downtown Abbey. Where is this going? <laughs> right off the rails, just as as we normally so, as we normally do. So, so the umbrella is movie movie misfits. So like you think about like a pyramid scheme. Uh, let's let's do this. Let's 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 reset. Tank Tank, I heard you had a special announcement you wanted to make. Hey guys, so just to let y'all know something that's been in the works for quite a while. Uh, the Tank Rodriguez Show housed so many podcasts that it became convoluted of what the podcast really was, and it, and it and it takes away, it detours, uh, you know, it doesn't, it's not able to shed the light properly on the movie shows, it's not able to, to shine the light on the relationship shows and and, and the wrestling shows as well, um, and even the solo shows too, um, those become like non-existent, uh, just because there's so many so many different types of genres going on, so. Uh, over the past couple of months, and I know we've entertained the idea, but um, everything's pretty much splitting off into its own thing now. Um, that way, it stays in its own t- its own little bubble, um, and it does have room. You know, it does have room to go outside what it really is. As far as you know, what I mean by that is like, we, it's not. You know, we're not tied down to horror. We're not tied down to to action movies. If something happens, we're able to talk about it there. We don't have to wait for a, a particular show to mention it. Um, so we are moving. So we are going to go with at the at the at the time when this airs, you'll be able to go to, or at least you should be. Uh, you, sh- you should be <laughs> able to go to um, uh, Spotify or Apple uh, Apple Podcast and uh, and and find uh, the movie Misfits. If not, we're gonna still gonna be promoting it um, until 2021 when it actually launches. Um, the movie show will move onto its own thing away from the Tank Rodriguez show. The Tank Rodriguez show is still going to exist, but in a different a different form, uh, in its natural form, the way it was supposed to be, which is the wrestling show. Um, but and and I, and I think that um, I because the way I see it, too, guys, I'm I'm just the announcer. You know what I mean? I say I'm the host of the show. I'm the announcer, guys. Y'all y'all are the guys that bring in the money here. If we were getting paid. Um, so that just seems like, really wow, weird. I'm like, we get money. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, uh, so, and, and, and I think it's going to help us grow that way too. So, um, 2021, um, go look for it now. If it's not there, don't worry about it. Check back. Uh, it will be there, uh, eventually. Um, so I just wanted to make that announcement. I'm really excited about it. Um, and I, I think it's going to elevate the show much more. Uh, but yeah, so that was my announcement. Uh, we'll, we can go and get into uh, y'all's thoughts or uh, what y'all watched this past week. Well, first off, let me just say, I am excited to, uh, uh, sorry, Derek. Uh, I am excited just, you know, obviously like, I feel like first off 2020 has been a, uh, quite a year for everybody. And I think 2021 will be nice to have a new fresh start and a new, uh, a new chapter for the podcast, but also I think it will be easier for people to find their podcasts ideally because you know uh even though i'm interested in you know the you know talking about relationships and talking about pro wrestling and and even interested in tank's personal life um you know it's easier to split it up if like people are just you know because not everybody's into all of those things so i think absolutely 
I think it'll be a, a good, good. Uh, it'll be easier for our listeners and a good thing for the podcast overall for maybe getting the viewership that we want. Yeah, so. and not to mention good. that it doesn't mean anything to you, Jimothy, because you're on ninety percent of the podcast. That's right. Same yeah. thing for you, and Derek. <laughs> I say Derek yeah. is on the other. Uh, he's on the 50%. ones that I'm not on. Derek is on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're like the we're like the Highlander. We we can't exist in the same place at the same yeah. time. It's like a deadly movie. Um, exactly. No, I'm I'm excited, man. You know, new new. You know, to to with these point, uh, 2020's been a fucking dumpster fire, and uh, you know we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna rise from the ashes and uh, and have a new name. It's gonna be wonderful, and um, you know, hopefully, it translates well in all the uh, languages in which we uh, you know or countries in which we. <laughs> Have our podcast in uh, uh so yeah our friends, shout in, the, out our to friends you. in the ukraine let us know if it doesn't translate shout out well to, to russia it. and india this this past month whoa we got a new country Heck hey yeah. Welcome. india yeah. nice well, welcome welcome india welcome <laughs> happy yes. to have you absolutely but uh let's digress into you know the subject matter at hand what did y'all watch this past week guys oh we don't even have enough time. We'd have to break this up into five podcasts. But, um, I'm going to let you go first because I think I went first last time. So I'll let, I'll let you go first because I, I feel like maybe some of them overlap. So. so, well, first off, let me just start by saying, yeah, I, I couldn't even, we couldn't scratch the surface. Uh, yeah, I mean, I watched a ton of shit. One thing I do want to say is that, um, uh, and I can say this because my wife isn't, doesn't listen to this podcast. But <laughs> um, So, you know, usually around this time of year, a lot of uh you know, places will have, you know, sales, online sales for uh, horror movies in general. But lately, it just seems like Shocktober, a lot of places just do full on movie sales. I mean, a lot of horror, but then they, they also branch off into some other kind of, uh, you know, um, genre type films like sci fi and stuff. But this year seemed like everybody and their mother and all these boutique shops were having pretty impressive sales. And at one point, even Target Online had a buy two, get one off or buy, buy two, get one free. Um, they only did it for one night uh, for films. I I went a little ape shit. I actually did the count today and I bought 68 films. <laughs> uh, uh, Blu-rays. Fuck? Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's not talk about it. Um, but so... What was the average yeah, they, price of that? Well, so some of them were like pretty cheap, like seven dollars fifty cents, eight dollars, some uh, to like ten bucks. Some of them were like eighteen twenty, and some of them I paid, I did pay full price. Uh, but like I said, the Target ones were like you know, you know, basically like if each one was fifteen, you got the third one completely free. So. Um, anyways, let's not talk. Spend too much time on it because you know I don't. Want <laughs> like, to- I don't. I don't want my wife to hear. Exactly. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it really, like, I bought a bunch of things I've been meaning to own. A lot of things have been, the one thing is that we live right now in a time that if you are a film fan is really interesting, especially if you're a physical media fan. Because on one hand, I did hear this uh, this week that, uh, so like um, Best Buy, which is one of the only real big chain stores left that focuses on electronics to carry um, physical media. So, you know, up until recently, you know, Best Buy has had a pretty extensive uh, music section and specifically relevant to this, a big movie section. In fact, Best Buy used to get a lot of films was the only place, was actually Best Buy was the only place you could get them physically and not online. Um, 
well, I heard this week that actually Best Buy is no longer going to be carrying physical media. Um, but on the, yeah, so com- they're completely weeding them out of the store completely. So by 2021, there won't be any more. In fact, if you go into one now, they're basically one, literally one aisle um, of movies and they're pretty much picked over to begin with. Oh, I did score some good stuff shit today. I did go into a Best Buy today, ironically. Um, but, but on the other hand, there is all these amazing like sort of boutique uh, film companies that that basically are doing special edition releases of genre films, horror movies, kung fu movies, action films, sex exploitation, black exploitation, any you know anything that isn't you know a Star Wars movie, basically. So we live in a really interesting time where you can't necessarily walk into a store and buy physical media as often, but there is a lot of cool shit being released. And relevant to this is that there's all these. Um, and obviously Arrow Video is, they're, they're huge because they're a, a British company, but they've been releasing all sorts of amazing things. You have Shout Factory slash Scream Factory. And then you have like the smaller ones that have been around though for a long time, like Kino Lorber, um, Vinegar Syndrome, uh, Blue Underground. But now there's even on top of that, you know, Gorgon Video came back. There's this company called Cauldron. There's all these amazing places. Anyways, so I bought a bunch of movies. This is the point of my, uh, <laughs> this whole uh, conversation. Um, but so I've, I've been watching a lot and a lot of them um, I've seen before uh, and I just didn't either own on Blu-ray because they hadn't been released on Blu-ray or they came out with a special edition. But I did watch some things I'd never seen before um, and they run the full gamut between interesting to really bad, but fun and interesting, uh, really bad and just bad. And then some of them are, hey, this is a good movie, a little boring and a little slow, uh, you know, in that sort of European style, but, you know, still good. And some of just straight up boring, boring. But I can't talk about them all, but I did, I did choose a few I wanted to talk about specifically today. Um, one, uh, in fact, I brought the, this is a podcast, so the, the listeners can't see this, but I did want to just show the cool cover art. Um, so one of them I wanted to talk about is um, Nightmare Beach, Umberto Lenzi, the, the very well-known um, Italian filmmaker known for giallos and, and uh, Italian genre films. But the first one is Nightmare Beach. Um, which actually has an amazing cast uh, for a movie I'd never seen before. Um, so it fe- it stars John Saxton, uh, who everybody should know, um, and Michael Parks. So even though Michael Parks is a pretty small, um, uh, a pretty small role in this, and then Lance Legault, uh, who's an amazing character actor that you know, very distinct voice. Um, it's it's so it's a number of Lindsay movie. Um, you know, with, you know, this, all of the amazing special fat and uh, Claudio Simonetti um, uh, from Goblin did the soundtrack and the soundtrack's very rock and roll and kind of pop music, you know, not what you'd expect from them normally. But anyways, um, it's a very interesting movie. Uh, I don't want to give anything away because um, it, there is like, you know, it's like a kind of a whodunit, you know, sort of story. Um, but Michael Parks is in this movie and he's so underrepresented like there's you like it's it's one of the selling points is like when i i wanted to order it i was like oh michael parks because i love michael parks and i thought like oh yeah i need to see that and then he's kind of barely in it um and he's like he's not very michael parksy in it he's like plays almost like this like kind of timid guy but it's kind of a guy of a ludicrous so it's umberto lenzi italian but he made like this american spring spring break beach movie spring break biker 
horror movie and it's it's an interesting movie um, i don't give anything away just because you know the i mean basically there's a it's, it's spring break and this dude is going around it this like dude who's dressed i mean you can sort of tell from the the cover art it's a dude that's like you know basically like he's dressed like a like a motorcycle he's got a motorcycle helmet all black leather and he's got a, a killer motorcycle uh that electrocutes people um and it the cast is super you know i mean it's got like some like obviously John Saxon, Lance and Galt and stuff. Those are really, you know, great character actors. But then it's like a bunch of young, unknown actors. But everybody's like super, uh, you know, um, stereotypical of the 80s and stuff. But it, it's really fun. It's not a great movie, but it's fun. Uh, the twist ending isn't really a twist if you've seen more than four sort of horror movies. But I would definitely recommend it. Um, a, a fun movie, especially because it's, you know, uh, you can just basically, I guess even Umberto Lindsay said, uh, he went on record saying the only reason he made it was so that uh, he could get a free trip to uh, Florida for uh, <laughs> for vacation. Um, the other movie I want to talk about really quickly <clears throat> is a movie I'd never even heard about before. Um, it wasn't until I was going through, and it was a movie from the 80s I'd never heard about before, and it's actually James Hong's directorial debut, um, and he's the main star of it, and it's called The Vineyard. And it is batshit crazy. Um, so I mean, it's not, it sounds like something you would see Julia Robertson like. Right, exactly. An eat, pray, love level of shit. Like. Yes, that's not this movie. Um, so, um, uh, I guess the backstory is like James Hong, uh, who I didn't realize is ninety-one. I knew he was older. I've seen him in person, what? but I thought he was in his like mid seventies. He is ninety-one. He was born Whoa. in nineteen twenty-nine. Um, yeah, but you know, he's uh, James Hong, so um, but yeah, so first off, the uh, first 10 minutes of it has a James Hong sex scene. So, if you ever wanted to see Low Pan get down and dirty, you gotta watch this movie. Whoa. Um, but it's weirdly like really fun, it's it's very much a low budget. In fact, so what the I guess a little backstory in the movie James Hong wanted to like develop his career because you know, obviously, he was playing side characters but he wanted he wanted a juicier role he wanted something that he could really sort of you know have more of a, a range in so his him he went he basically asked the producer and they were like well we don't have a lot of money so he wanted to do like an act like a martial arts film like a kind of a funny martial arts film but they couldn't get distributors because at that point like they just weren't that popular in america to you know to really put any money into so they're like well let's do a low budget horror and basically like the long story short is they basically uh, the um, the producer was like, well, what do I have access to? Well, you know, we I live in Northern California. There's all these vineyards up here. Um, I know some bait, like some Northern California actors. So basically, it was a movie that was just like an excuse for James Hong to, uh, you know, basically be the starring role in. Um, it's fucking weird as shit. Um, uh, but it's also really fun and super silly. And uh, but like the special effects and the makeup design are really cool. They got some pretty uh, unique deaths. Uh, it, it actually is now one of my favorite zombie sequences in all of film, uh, just because of the, the the zombie design and the way it's filmed. And it's got a weird sense of humor to it. Um, is it is that the one you're posting that you said it was your new favorite new favorite zombie? Yes. Yeah. On Instagram. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's it. I don't know. It's it's it's. I would recommend it to people who listen to this podcast. I definitely wouldn't recommend it to all my friends, but it's a very <laughs> interesting movie. And uh, James Hong basically plays like uh, 
I don't want to spoil anything about the movie, but basically James Hong is he's like two, three, four hundred. They don't even say how old he is, but he's basically um, Ming Dynasty era old. Um, but he's he's um, they explain the movie, but basically he's in more. He's found the key to like extended life, and it includes basically hooking nubile young women up to uh, a machine that draws their blood out and basically makes it into a wine oh. that he drinks. Um, oh, I thought you were uh, going to say something entirely different when you talked about his love yeah. scene in the beginning. I'm like, no. James Hong is James Hong. Exactly. No. Oh well, <laughs> I, I didn't get to see that. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a goofy movie, but it's really fun. Um, Again, I won't go too far into this, uh, but uh, another movie I'd seen that I actually owned for a long time on DVD, and I just never got around. I bought it, I think, at Walmart or Target for like six bucks years ago, um, called um, uh, Lost in the Dark. Um, and it's a it's like an 80s homage slasher. Um, and I didn't have high hopes of it, and it's not a great movie, um, but it's a pretty sincere movie. Uh, little 80s throwback slasher um it doesn't try to be too 80s which i appreciate um although they give the the black character uh who actually was the best actor in the whole film um but they give him like a an afro with a pick in it and i'm like what this, what it's so what, that's what year do, what year do we live in i know and it's like it's i think it's i think they said it's supposed to be like 85 or 86 and i'm like no dude that wasn't a thing like this isn't fucking Cooley high. This isn't. I was like Jerry Curl, maybe, but uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But you know, the, the the it it's not. It's a competent little film. They actually do some interesting things that you d- wouldn't expect. And like, obviously, it's very much a an homage to eighty slashers. But they do things in the story like that. You're like, oh, I didn't expect them to do that. And so for that reason, it's interesting. But you know, it's a pretty mediocre movie all around um it's really only of interest if you are a diehard 80s slasher fan um uh but otherwise it's you know it's it's pretty forgettable but like i said i was interested because a lot of you know like there's a ton the barn there's all these movies that have like are modern films that try to homage an 80s slasher but either they try to make it like it's too wink and a nod or um it's too they focus on the wrong things or it's style over substance. And with this, it was more of like, it was an A slasher, more about the vibe of an A slasher. It was like, yeah, it is set in the 80s, but like, even the costume isn't like over the fucking head, like, uh, oh, yeah, uh, doesn't hit you over the head with it. It's not over the top and silly. It's a little more subdued, which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, only really interested if you are a diehard 80s slasher fan. Otherwise, maybe not of interest, but yeah. And there's a ton more and a lot of new stuff, but I have a feeling we're going to talk about them when you talk about your movies. So I will leave there. But trust me, future episodes of this podcast, we will be deep diving because there are some bananas movies I've seen. So I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I, I love it when you bring up bananas movies because they're they're uh, they're always a fun watch. Like when I do get a chance to watch them, and uh, and and the fact that you think they're bananas like <laughs> gives me hope because I know some people are like, oh, that was totally bananas. And it's like. Dude, you just watch America Werewolf in London. That's exactly. not <laughs> yes. That's your definition is flawed. Um, four movies I want to talk about uh, that I watch. I watch a ton this week, just like you. A lot of it was throwback because um, it's that time of year, and how can you not uh, just binge watch the shit out of movies? Um, I watch two remakes and two a sequel and an original. So 
I'm sorry, the first one. I watched, uh, I finally got a chance to watch Train to Busan, Seville Peninsula. Um, now, I will say that, like, stylistically, this probably is not for everybody. Um, though I love a good action, like, zombie movie. So for me, it was really fun and a very different tone than Train to Busan. So obviously, if anybody's seen Train to Busan, as a very, it's very action packed, but it's also very tragically sad. Yes. And like that'll rip your heart out and grind it up to a meat grinder, like by the end. Um, this is way more stylistic. Um, I, I was I was joking around when I was watching, like it's kind of like Fast and Furious meets like Dawn of the Dead or Land of the Dead. Uh, but visually it was great. Um, I thought the zombies were cool. Um, they, they were, to me, they were as good. They were much more grittier and dirtier than the first one. Um, but it was honestly just a really fun movie. Uh, very different than what I originally anticipated. So I, I would say, like, go into it with mind and don't compare it to Train to Busan because it's, like, it's not it's not the same movie. There are nods to it. But, I mean, there it's not enough to really, like, it could theoretically be its own movie and not, like, uh, not be a direct sequel. And you would still, I, I think you would still enjoy it. Um, so that was one that I, I had heard a lot of backlash on because people were comparing it to Train to Busan and Soul Station, but um, it really is entirely different, but that's okay. That's what I liked about it. I did not want to watch another heart-wrenching <laughs> zombie movie. Um, it was just, it was really fun. Um, so it was that one. I, so if you get a chance to check it out, um, I watched uh, Antebellum, which um, was actually really good. It reminded me, if... M. Night Shyamalan's Village was done well. It had racist overtones. Um, that is what this movie would be. Uh, but the so you basically gave on. away the uh, the uh, ending. I think. All right. Well, maybe I. You know what? <laughs> who, who remembers the village? Honestly, like I just remember uh, Adrian Brody uh, and his character running around. Um, yeah, theoretically, I gave it away. Like, <laughs> but not quite. Um, Spoiler alert. If you've spoiler, seen the village, spoiler. You know, if you if you have to go back and watch the village in order to get this spoiler. But I'm, really, like, I'm, I'm seriously though, from the trailer, that's what I I assume the, the yeah was. That's I well, I thought it was maybe initially like an alternate reality like type scenario. Um, <laughs> somebody's working. That's 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 my pin number. <laughs> I have the mute um, button on. <laughs> <laughs> um, y'all, can y'all still hear me? Yeah, yeah. I'm hitting mute. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Sorry. I don't think your mute when you even when the noise was happening. I don't think your mute's working, brother. Wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> when we ignore me. <laughs> yes, yeah, just that's your weird. mute's not working. Sorry. Like, disregard. Disregard. Um. So yeah, no, it it was actually really well. I the acting was well done. Um, I thought the tones were you know. For, for subject matter as it is nowadays, especially, you know, considering, you know, uh, everything that's going on in the world, uh, I was really surprised, like, that the studio made a decision to, re to release it, but at the same lines, I was really glad that they did, because I thought it was, it was really well done, and it, you know, that type of movie can go one way or the other, it could be overtly racist, um, and, um, and to the point where it's uncomfortable, you know, I, and I'm referring to like our conversations about uh, Quentin Tarantino, right? Um, 
in previous conversations is how uncomfortable that could be sometimes. Uh, but this, it, that was really well done. Um, I watched The Witches remake. Oh, you did? Uh, I did. I didn't think and, it was out uh, yet. No, no, it's out. I got it. Was, it was online. Oh, okay. Um, I really liked it, actually. I thought it was going to be trash. Uh, I did not think I would like uh, Anne Hathaway as the uh, as the main actress. Had witch. But it actually, uh, and I will say, like, Octavia Spencer steals a show, like, by far. Like, playing the grandma, best choice in casting you probably could have picked, like, in that movie. Um, and, and for what is lacking, obviously, Anna Hathaway is no Angelica Houston. You're never going to get it to be Angelica Houston. But um, she still did a good job. I think she, like, she tried to give it its due. And, and I appreciate that. Like, um, I would have liked to see more from some of the other witches. Like, but I, I still thought they, they did a good job in it. It's not an apples for apples comparison, like, between the original and the remake. So I do like that they, they mixed it up a little bit. Cool. Um, but obviously, it's, it's no original. But I did think they did a really good job of it. The kids in that were great. Um, you know, good acting. But yeah, Octavia Spencer is like, she's a great actress anyways. And she really just steals the show, like, uh, in that. And the final movie I watched that I, I want to talk about um, is I watched The Craft remake. <laughs> or Uh-oh. Continu- continuation. <sighs> okay. Yeah, I mean, not surprised. It, it obviously, like, I don't think that I have to give it away to tell, to, for people to guess, like, who who the tie-in to the original craft is. Like, don't need to guess. I don't think anybody needs to guess that, like, there's a tie-in to Faruza Balk's character. Of course. Um, in a very, a very assuming way that you obviously see a mile away that's coming. Yes. What I didn't expect in this movie was Warlocks. What? There you go. <laughs> Male witches. Male witches. Uh, so I'm going to say spoiler alert before I, I give it too much away. But uh, want spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, David Duchovny playing the bad playing the bad witch trying to steal witch power. Um, Dang! Now I have to I, see it. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? For what you were lacking in like originality to some degree, you are um, you are making up for. And uh, a little bit of originality on that end. So, like, I, that had nothing to do with the original. And um, it definitely wasn't tied in. But I did think it was really great. Because, obviously, if anybody's seen the trailers, David the Company plays a love interest of um, the, the young, young protagonist's uh, mom. And uh, it, it's, very, it's very specific to why he's involved. Um, so I thought that was really good. Um, definitely cannot remake the original and they probably should have tried but it is not a i don't consider it a remake it is a continuation of the story and it and leaves it wide open for continuation moving Play forward down. yeah because you don't know what really what hey, by the time it ends you're like where's this person been for the past like 15 20 years how did how did they even get knocked out in the first place like mm-hmm. um how do they have a kid how did they put it up for adoption like there's a million questions, none of which I get. Is Fruz actually in the movie? <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Dave, you come to Jesus, I maybe I yeah. need to see it. 
Yep, you should definitely you should definitely check it out. It's worth a watch. I will say that much. If it's you're like if you go into a zero expectation of it, like compared to the original, um, it it is good. Um, and then two that the one that I wanted to follow up with you on is I did watch uh, I did watch Scare Me on Shutter. Okay. Um. It, I I didn't know what to think about that movie, man. Honestly, like I I I watched it and I was like. Okay, are they gonna do like? Is this gonna be like an anthology where they're gonna do like different stories? Nope. No, it's all reenactment. It yep. is all re and the and the most redeeming quality of that movie was the actress and the yep. pizza guy. And yeah, I was that's like Chris Red from SNL. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, all right, okay, like I'm digging it. Once they once he showed up, once they started doing coke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was that's like, but, yeah, but I I did like. As it was going along, I'm like, he's gonna be that type of guy. Like, I don't know if you guessed, you kind of spotted that as well. Like, oh, yeah. his kind of rant at the end, it was like, all right, well, I kind of saw that coming. And yes. Whatever. And, but it's, really so, it's, yeah. it's so forced and unearned. And like, yeah. It's uh, again, it, it, there's like some of the diet, like when it started and all the interactions between him and the Uber driver. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, this is gonna be good. Like, this is good dialogue. Everybody's yeah. like, sh- that actress was really good. Um, once yeah. they introduced, you know, the I was like, oh, this movie could be great, but I, it never became great. I, I will say my favorite, uh, my favorite kind of skit from that whole thing was the uh, possessed American Idol at the end yeah. with the whole song and yeah. like burn the children. And I was like, yeah, that part had me die. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, in the back like it was funny like she was funny in that she movie. was great uh, and like it had great dialogue and stuff but the movie yeah. nothing it yeah there's like something good there and i think the director and the writer i mean i didn't investigate enough into uh the the filmmakers no. to, to, but um like i could see that whatever whoever the creative forces behind those that film going on to make something like something that hits its mark or does what it's intending to yeah. do but that movie just uh, just didn't do it. Um, Derek, I don't, I because I don't think we talked about it on the previous episode. Did, we didn't already talk about the um, Mortuary Collection, did we? No, I had watched it. I don't think you had watched it at the time. I have watched it. Uh, in fact, I think I watched it immediately after you recommended it because I saw it on there and I was like, yeah, let me see it. What'd you uh, think? I thought it was fucking amazing. Um, yeah, right? I think it's one of the most fun like especially shutter originals or whatever like i really loved it i i will say by the end of the movie i i i I was first off it's one of the fun or more fun anthologies um you know there's the movie has problems like again it tries to be period and you're like this is not period but there's enough really quality shit in each one that i'm like it feels like you know a creep show uh you know like a modern cool and horror anthology the idea is cool too so um yeah. but i think the, the main selling point was one like they had it was a lot of fun the special effects and the creature design when they needed them was cool oh yeah um but clancy brown as that character was just so amazing i don't want to spoil the ending but the ending was like oh. no i mean the ending was actually pretty cool but yeah but now I, I was really I, I was actually really surprised at kind of that that twist yeah. at the end as showing the story because I'm like, whoa, like that's that's so tragic. And you know, it's yep. the babysitter and the whole nine yards, and then you find out that spoiler alert that, well, it's, that is not yeah, that's not it's, the babysitter. Uh, yeah, it's the tooth fairy. Uh, 
Yeah, that's too fairy. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah, I did I did really find it funny. Um, the very first uh, the very first story though, man, I, I was I was laughing. I, you know, the great thing about that movie is there's really not a ton of explanation. Like yeah. so, like a, as you watch like the I don't even say want to say the first story because the first story is that small snippet with the medicine cabinet. Yeah. Um, that's true. Yeah, the one's like yeah, and, and yes, and that's just fun, funny that you say that because it does like when you think like oh that was really quick, but it they build up and yeah like yeah and in the second in the second one like there's really no explanation of like why like what is that girl like who is she and how you know like what is the scenario and um, obviously the, the, I think the maybe the, the third one's a little more self-explanatory and obviously the fourth one is the kind of the wraparound as well. I did like the common theme of that doctor though throughout all the entire yes. uh, series as well, which I, I thought was pretty, was pretty funny. Um, yep. Agreed. But um, yeah, I thought it was really well done. I thought when I first watched it, I'm like, where's Clancy Brown? Like until they like, he started going on and, and kind of, I was like, man, he's kind of like, reminds me if you, if you find the tall man and the pre and the priest from uh, Poltergeist two, like into one character, like sure. it's tall, right? So, so literally watching it, I was like, dude, I never would have thought, but I'm like, if they, I like, cause for me, you know, uh, Die Hard, Phantasm fan, Angus Grimm, yeah. the Tom Man is like I mentioned before, is probably my f- all time favorite film ghoul. Um, but you know, I was never like, I've never been a hey, like, why don't we remake Phantasm? But right. watching Clancy Brown, I'm like, fuck, Clancy Brown should be the new tall man. Right? Especially right? his That's voice. Right, it was like, man, he is, uh, yeah, just his, his look, his teeth, his his voice. like His voice. Like, Even like I said, his, the, because nobody does dead eyes like Clancy Brown. When Clancy right. Brown does his like cold dead eyes, I'm like, so yeah, I, I, I thought, you know, I remember seeing the thing for it, like the ad on Shudder. I was like, now nah, I'll get around to watching that. But I wasn't stoked on it because for the main part, you know, like I said, there's been some good, like I, I enjoyed the shed, but most of them aren't, don't really like capture me the same way. So right. uh, when you recommended it to me, I was like, yeah, if you, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And then I was blown away. So, and again, I think what's really nice is I do think online it is getting a lot of love from the horror community. And it, like, so it's cool. Like I, I feel like it does deserve the credit it's getting. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. No, I'm super glad you watched it. I, I thought it was like one of the really better anthologies that I've seen in a very long time. And, and I thought for atmospheric point, fun. Yeah. For a shutter original, I was like, man, it's creepy. It's a creepy mortuary, you know, and, uh, and, and the whole, uh, the whole situation. And even just the ending was like, okay, that's, yeah. that's, that's even creepier too. So. Yes. Oh yeah. The very ending ending. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the third story didn't have, the same kind of punch the others had, especially the last one and then the second one. I, I like there's like social commentary in there. They do things that are completely unexpected. Um, but it, overall, like I said, and like even the third one with you know the guy and his 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 wife. Yeah. Uh, you know the spoiler alert: the sort of like corpse puppet thing that they come up with uh, oh, yeah. was really cool and kind of felt to me like an old '80s you know, um, poltergeist slash, you know, even Ghostbusters. It had this sort of creepy, but also slightly cartoony look, which I really liked. And I thought fit the theme of it perfectly, fit the vibe. Yeah, very much. That, that reminded me more of like, a, almost like a Tales from the Crypt episode or something. Yes. Um, yeah, and watching it kind of like, you know, dead beyond the grave. But um, yep. But yeah, I 
yeah, it was yeah, it was excellent. So anybody that's listening, definitely check it out. Shutter. I mean, Shutter's worthwhile for the five ninety nine month go pay anyways. So, oh yeah. Um, like even if you only, I would say even if even in the off chance you watch everything, you've only seen something a few times, like it's it's just worth the catching the things that you don't normally wouldn't so normally watch. Anyways, I, so I I've had a lot of friends reach out to me and ask me like, hey, what do you think of Shutter? And I'm like, look, for five ninety nine a month, you're gonna see at least one movie on there that you would pay four ninety nine, whatever three ninety nine Amazon exactly. to rent. So I'm like, and they have a, they're always going to have like cool older movies that maybe you haven't seen in a while or some like right. standards. And then, and again, they're constantly now doing, putting out originals that you can only see there. So I think it's definitely worth the price. Oh Even yeah, totally. I mean, I, especially in these days where, where you've watched everything yeah. and to go back and like watch something that you wouldn't normally pay, like one, maybe you watch something you wouldn't pay for, right? Um, that's on there, but you're, you're just checking it out because you have nothing else to do. Um, I, that for me is a work to five and plus, I mean, I think they have some great documentaries on there. Um, so if you're, depending on what you're looking for, they have some good horror, um, some good J horror on there. I, I know it's uh, we're gonna right now out. specifically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right now specifically. So I think like, it, it's just a really good time to, to get it. And honestly, I, I just find like, I buy the annual subscription just because like, if you don't want to worry about five ninety nine a month, get a deal, get, get the annual, get a couple bucks off. And then you don't have to worry about it for a whole year. I should do that. I do that with the Criterion, but I I should do that too. Yeah. Well, I was I mean, constantly jumping, months, jumping, I don't miss. Yeah. Yeah. I was just I was constantly jumping on and off of it because I was like, oh, I'm not watching it. But you know, I find I watch it more when I know that I have a subscription for the year. So oh, there you go. That's a good point. But yeah, man, Halloween time. We're obviously going to spend the majority of our free time, uh, anyways, watching horror movies this right. year with COVID, working from home. Um, I basically. What's going to do? Well, yeah exactly the film is going 24 yeah. 7 for me so um but yeah I, I i feel like you know um right now as a horror fan there's just so much to watch i mean every year there's you know you have all the classics and then whatever came out that year uh so or the pre in the in the previous year but i, I feel like just, uh-huh oh no go great i'm sorry you mean to tell you out there oh no no worries but no i i was just gonna basically make the point like there, you can basically spend your entire day watching horror movies anyways, every day. Pretty much we already do that. But there's something special around this time of year when, you know, the vibe of the world matches the vibe in your brain. You know, it's the thing of like, you know, in my head, it's spooky shit anyways. But so when I drive down the street <laughs> and I see like 12 foot tall, you know, Home Depot skeletons and, you know, homemade cobwebs on the front lawn, like it just, and then like for it, here in Texas, this week, was the week where it actually start felt like fall. In fact, it sort of felt like winter, um, but uh, <laughs> overcast, finally cold. So like, I'm like, I'm just in the mood, full, ready to go and ready to talk about horror movies. Yeah, anyways, Derek, get, your sorry, pu- get, your pu- get your pu- No, I was just gonna say, uh, so two things before we jump into it, some, some just kind of general horror movie news. One, have you seen or heard or read about the uh, Children of the Corn remake? I've heard about it. I, I mean, I know that it's happening. Um, Weird. Uh, so I guess it's it's not. So the the director has come right out and said that it has like really no direct tie to the Stephen King novel. What? And yeah, well, like it is, but it isn't. So like it's called Children of the Corn, but the story is less about the two adults that come to town, uh-huh. and it's about one one teenager who is obviously smarter than the rest of the kid in the in the Gatlin. Um, and so as they try to like rally together to kill all the unrighteous adults, 
this one teenager in town is like the one that's trying to rally to save everybody um, against the teenagers. So I was like, wow, it kind of reminds me of like, if you like kind of combine Stranger Things with Children in the Corner, then you get uh, interesting. Get this. So I was, yeah, that's what I thought too. I was like, well, uh, I mean, number one, I don't feel like there's been a solid Children in the Corner remake since like ever. Um, yeah. With the exception of like the original, which was great. Uh, can, can you get honestly like Malachi? I mean, you can't, that dude's creepy anyways. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Perfect casting. Yeah. Um, two, I, um, I'm super stoked about the uh, movie and it doesn't come out on Halloween, but it comes out on Friday through the November. Is that a Vince Vaughn movie, Freaky? Morrissey trailers where Amanda Moore, I'm excited about it. It looks hilariously funny. Yeah, um, it, it feels like I totally get the vibe that they're going for. And um, I'm kind of, I'm, I, yeah, like it on paper, it's not definitely not something that I would think I'd be into, but the the vibe of it, I'm like, okay, I, I see what this is I, doing. And I like yeah, the balance. It me the other day. I, was like, I was like, this is like the hot chick if it was a horror movie, a there horror comedy, <laughs> um, minus Rob Schneider. That would have been hilarious if Rob Schneider was the killer. That would have been even funnier. Uh, but nobody would believe that guy. Well, no. I <laughs> Just one so, chest kick and he's done. Yeah, one chest. Yeah, he's 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 absolutely done. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely, I think it's a it's a cool time to be a horror movie fan because I think one, a lot of stuff coming out like direct to video, but two, I think there's a lot of really fun stuff in the pipeline uh, for the upcoming year that I think it I think it'll be good and I think um, so. I'm kind of in, really interested. Um, I read a an article the other day in Bloody discussing about a a they called it a Charlie's Angels horror movie with Danielle Harris called Sequels. And uh, I, I don't have much more on it than that, but uh, it's just basically a, a movie center. I, I don't know, it's like a group of kick-ass women in horror uh, that team up together to, I guess maybe maybe battle like serial killers or something along that lines. But um, it definitely seems she was super excited about it. So I was like, well, like number one, I like Danielle Danielle Harris. Harris. Yeah, I was gonna say you had me at that anyways. So like <laughs> I wanna I wanna I wanna watch you read the phone book, honestly. But um then on top of that, like if it was if it's kind of a cool movie sequel to that, I'm 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 pretty excited about that. So a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Uh before we get into uh actually what this episode is about, um finishing up the last uh, ten of our twenty-five uh genre sub of horror for Halloween. Um, I do want to give a special shout out uh, to my twin brother. Um, he uh, hosted as my twin brother is a uh, local horror host for Portland, Oregon, um, who used to be on public access, but then public access was defunded and then some other things happened, but he still does some hosting, but he um, just hosted their annual uh, Gunyal. I can never say Grand Gunyal, and I'm French and I, I can't say it, but they have a big thing in Portland. It's like, basically it's the uh, Grand, the Gunyal, whatever uh if tank could you could superimpose somebody actually saying that correctly that'd be great um but he uh it's basically like a short film festival for portland um but um this year they had to do it virtually but uh my twin brother as uh eerie lee shivers uh, uncle eerie hosted it and he did an amazing job i watched it before um and actually all the, the shorts i watched i watched three of the shorts and they were all really well done and fun and crazy and gross and silly uh so um you get a chance to watch it it's the portland um uh i could probably kind of look up how to say this G- but uh, uh something. <laughs> gunyal gun, uh 
Uh, does it? Where's Google Translate when you need it? Gunyal. Okay, whatever. I was close. But anyways, it's the Portland Gunyal. G-U-I-G-N-O-L, uh, like Grand Gunyal. Uh, the Gunyal Fest in Portland. Um, uh, so check it out. It's online. It's streaming online. You can find it on, uh, it's, if you search Gunyal Fest, it'll come up on you like Instagram or your social media. But anyways, shout out to my twin brother. Uh, he killed it. Um, he's always really good at what he does. In fact, I spent the first two weeks of October rewatching everything he's done as that character and kind of really wishing he would bring it back. Um, uh, but if you actually, if you look up uh, uh, Uncle Erie or uh, Uncle Erie Shimmer Show on YouTube, you can find everything he's done. Um, uh, so yeah, I just want to give him a little shout out because he just did that and it, it turned out really cool. And also anybody, even who's not related to me, everybody involved in the, in the uh, Gunyal Fest in Portland did a really good job. So kudos to all you guys. Hey, nice. I'll nice. definitely check it out because I love a good, I love a good batch of horror shorts. And uh, yeah, man, that's that's awesome. Shout out to your brother. And uh, hey, maybe uh, maybe someday he can come in here and uh, if Hank ever takes a vacation, he could uh, he could sub in and. and well, you know, I was gonna say he's 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 pretty goddamn. I mean, obviously, if he's a horror host, he's he's pretty knowledgeable about horror. I mean, we're we're very similar. Uh, but I was like, yeah, we should have him on sometime. He's uh, you know, and he can talk about uh, um. What it's like to be a horror host, which I think is yeah, yeah, yeah. What we said, we we did say we we're eventually going to do an episode about horror hosts, right? And yeah, uh, and I think that would be a great episode to to have him on uh, well, as a, as a, as a guest of honor. So we'll, we'll make it happen, Uncle Erie. If you're listening to this, we'll try to have you on. So yeah, we got a we got a lot of love for Uncle Uncle Erie, Lee Shivers. Um, that's a uh, maybe maybe we'll all come up with some horror host names. Uh, that's right we'll, we'll, we'll work on it i mean i technically i i spoiler alert i i am the character uh apparently i'm in canon um oh. i'm official eerie canon is hook and hank uh hook and hank hook and hank yeah um nice. if you go to the uh anyways well let's not we'll talk about that in a different episode okay. but let's get into well, it this is yeah let's uh let's let's cap off this list right we only got a few days left and and we got to give our viewers a, a good laundry list of things. And we're going to start off with a sort of a J horror today. We're going to end with uh, horror movies that take place on Halloween. So that's right. A lot of ground to cover in between. Uh, and Jimothy, you went. I went first last time, so sure. you can go first this time. Perfect. So uh, let's. We're so uh, we're starting with J horror. Um, so you know, my choice for this one might be uh, non-traditional J horror. Um, but going through like the, my favorite Japanese horror movies, uh, I'm going with the movie Perfect Blue, which is one of the most brilliantly done uh, Japanese horror movies that just happens to be an anime. Um, but it is, you know, it's critically uh, believed to be an amazing film. Um, it just happens, like I said, it just happens to be an anime. Um, the director who also did Paprika, and a few other things. He's an amazing director, anime director. Um, but it's one of the most atmospheric, unnerving. Um, it definitely has a sort of a psychological horror vibe. I mean, the, the, the very simple story is, so there's a girl and she's a member of an idol group. Uh, for those of you who aren't up on your Japanese pop culture, an idol group is basically like the female version of a boy band or like a girl group. Um, uh, they're basically usually three to God knows how many. I mean, they get some of them are pretty large, but usually like a handful of you know cute, young, attractive Japanese girls who sing and dance and stuff. And they have rabid 
diehard following. In fact, if you di- deep dive into idol group fandom, it's pretty intense. And part of that actually plays into this movie. So um, like does ha- actually happen in real life. One of the, 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 she's in this group called Cham and she sort of wants to, she's leaving the group to be basically become, to start acting. She, her real passion is acting. And um, so she's trying to leave that life behind and transition to acting. And um, it, that really upsets a very diehard uh, psychotic fan of the group uh, who basically starts stalking her, but it's, it's about identity and it's about dual identity and being your real self. And, um, you know, there is a sort of a, obviously like a stalking element to it, but that's really not where the real horror is. It's more about losing your identity or, or losing your grip on your place in your own reality and stuff. And it's a brilliantly made film. The animation is actually very subdued and much more, especially because it came out in the mid nineties or the mid to late nineties when anime was super stylized and very like flashy. And um, this is like, you know, even like all the girls in the, in the, uh, in their, in her little idol group look like real Japanese girls. They're not like, like they look like normal people and like nobody's excessively attractive. They just look like real normal people. And, um, but the site, like the, they, you, the director uses animation to do the most perfect like visual metaphors for like breaking of identity and, and feeling like, um, you know, you're sort of watching this character question her own sanity and reality and also, you know, the terror of being stalked and stuff. So it's anyways, it's if you've never seen it, like even if you're not this, this is an anime that it, I don't care if you're an anime fan has nothing to do with it. It's just an animated movie that happens to be very unsettling, very well made, beautifully acted. Um, so it, it, I couldn't give it a higher recommendation. And going through, there's obviously a ton I wanted to talk about. But I feel like it's one of the ones that honestly that a lot of J horror gets real, obviously like it gets super gross or gets real. um, Sometimes they go super over the top, um, but there's something so subtle and honestly unnerving about this movie um, that I was like, this has got to be my choice for this year. So my choice for J horror is uh, the anime uh, perfect blue. That's awesome. That's, you know, I, I do find that, um, and as I was thinking of kind of the J-horror, and there's so much to choose from, right? And some of it is very traditional, you know, your, your Ringu and your Pulse, yeah. and obviously like some of the Americanized versions like uh, Shudder and Dark Water and things of that nature. There's, there's definitely this whole idea of like, uh, in most cases, the protagonist like question their own sanity, right? And, and kind of questioning. So it is very, as much as graphic as it can be, it also has a lot of level of psychology yeah. um, to that. I picked a very non-traditional J-horror movie too, um, primarily because I love the opening, like one of the opening scenes in this movie, but it, it's also just a very uh, weird, kind of like trippy, you know, almost like, you know, multiverse uh, level of, of uh, kind of psychosis. And it's called Tag. Um, I've never seen Tag, but I've always wanted to see it. Uh, it is it's actually free to watch on IMDb. So if you're... Uh, oh, cool. There, uh, you can go check it out for, for free. Um, I found it not that long ago. Uh, mainly because I, I saw the opening sequence. So if anybody's not familiar with this, you've probably seen this opening sequence um, highlighted in other clip shows and, and horror movies. But uh, basically, a girl's on a trip and she leans over to uh, tie her shoe 
mysteriously, basically something cuts off the entire top half of the double-decker bus, decapitating the driver and all her peers. So she stands up, no roof, and everybody's missing their fucking head. And I'm like, that is the most batshit crazy. I mean, J-Horror it, has some batshit crazy yes. moments, but that is that is a batshit crazy moment. And it, it's just this weird you know, entity, like from a bad day to worse type scenario for, for this, you know, young protagonist, um, you know, going throughout the movie and, and trying to understand this unforeseen, you know, force of nature, going through this traumatic event, like almost having amnesia and not understanding like what's going on, questioning your own sanity. Um, I, I thought it had a little bit of an element of, of traditional Japanese horror, um, at the same time, like having almost like a little bit of dramatic sci-fi element to it as well. So, um, I, I won't give away too much because you haven't seen it, but um, definitely check it out. It's to me, it is not your. It's traditional J horror, but not traditional J horror at the same time, which really made it stand out to me. Um, and, and to my opinion, I'm really glad that I watched it, even if it was just for that one scene, uh, because the whole movie was really well done. It's not super long; it's like an hour and a half at best. Um, so it's a really quick watch, uh, but definitely well worth the uh, well worth the effort to to just kind of try to track it down. But yeah, it's on IMDb. They have some free movies out there. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it's funny because I've seen that scene so many times that I feel like I have seen the movie just because that the opening sequence is so notorious. It's all, it, if you look at any list of like craziest scenes or, right. I mean, it's also, there's some, obviously there's some gore to that scene, but uh, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's been a movie where I'm like, I I've seen that. Right. And I'm like, no, the only thing I can remember is that, is that scene with the bus. But, um, no, but yeah, I mean, I, been... I thought, I thought I saw it too. Like I tried to, I was like, no, it's this movie. And then I watched the movie and it's not that. And then finally, I finally was like, all right, I'm just gonna have to Google it. Cause I can't figure this out. And I actually had never seen it at all, except for that one clip. Um, but the rest of the movie is really well done too. So, um, definitely worth Very it. Cool. Just that, just that clip. Um, even if that was the catalyst for me trying to track it down and find it in the first place. So very cool. Good choice. Um, so for the creepy next dolls? one, uh, creepy toy the movies toys. or creepy dolls. Um, so normally with this list for Halloween, I go with the ones that are either usually like I have a tendency to obviously I watch scary movies all throughout the year, otherwise we wouldn't have this podcast. But Halloween is usually the where I reserve the ones that are really really fun because Halloween is a fun holiday. Um, so either I go super intense and scary or just the one that has the most heart. And obviously there's a ton of fun, creepy doll slash creepy toy movies. I mean, there's just a ton of them, whether it's, you know, your very obvious ones, the child's play or the, you know, a little bit lesser known, but still obvious, like puppet master to dolly dearest to doll. I mean, there's just a million of them, but I actually went with the one that's probably the least fun and the least over the top. But the one that actually is, I feel like, the most unnerving because it's so much more real. Um, and I went with uh, Magic, um, uh, starring Anthony Hopkins. Um, Great movie. So creepy. It's so genuinely creepy. And again, it's Anthony, a young Anthony Hopkins. But, um, you know, it's about, again, it's about identity, which is carrying that theme over and like somebody almost with a split personality. And it, it's basically about a loser who um, has no confidence and basically manifests this. Again, there's a lot, it, it's, there is an ambig- ambiguity to the movie, obviously, but, uh, um, but yeah, it's, I think like it, taking the idea of like a killer doll, but also combining it with like psychosis and a man's mental, you know, obviously no spoiler alerts, but um, 
but yeah, and it's just one of those movies where um, you almost want to root for him because he he's like this nebbish loser kind of guy, and he's got there's a lot of predatory people that you know, especially in the world of it. He's trying to basically become. There's a whole scene like the seventies with like um, uh, like the comedian and uh, um, there's at least movies in the seventies which were about like losers trying to become famous. Very much the mod- that the newest Joker movie is very much an homage of like the uh, the King of New York, not King of New York. Um, what's the fu- uh, the great Robert De Niro movie? Anyways. There's a lot of these movies in the 70s of, of losers trying to achieve, achieve stardom, people with no talent trying to become famous. Um, and this is one of the best ones, honestly, I believe. And, um, you know, the violence in this is, you know, it, it's very much, it's like, a, it's like there, on one hand, it's, there's some very Hitchcockian aspects of this movie to, and on another hand, it's very much Grindhouse 42nd Street uh, uh, slasher kind of vibe to it. So it's a, got a very interesting mix of uh, of personalities to this movie. But it's, I, again, he's Anthony Hopkins, like Sir Anthony Hopkins. Like, obviously, people know he's a great actor. But I feel like this is a role where, like, really honestly shows what he's capable of as an actor. And, like, he his kind of playing two parts in, in it. Um but yeah, it's a great movie. It's it's not you know it's not uh, uh, um, killer doll. I mean, it's there's nothing. I mean, the premise of like a killer when you say like oh it's about like a ventriloquist dummy and murdering people. Like it sounds hokey and stupid, but it's not at all. Like it's a very like well crafted, well made seventies uh, thriller horror movie, and I think it where it exists. It, I feel like it nails everything it's trying to do and the direction of the movie is fantastic. So uh, that's the one I went with. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, that's an uh, amazing movie. And, you know, yeah, obviously anybody who watches it, it's got Anthony Hopkins in it. That alone should drive you to want to watch it. But exactly. it is a, um, all things considered, like, it's very different than what you would anticipate it to be. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, um, yeah, ex- excellent movie, um, and definitely one of my top favorite like toy related movies. I, I think it was something, and I know I know we've talked about it before, um, so I, I know it's nothing new. But I had to go with dolls, man. Um, honestly, I was I thought about it. it's one of it was in my top three to go with. So yeah, I mean it's hard, right? Because you you have like when people traditionally like horror movie toys, um, you know they'll think of the child's play. They'll think of, uh, Annabelle. Um, you know, I, my mind kind of goes to, to your point, like Dolly Gears, demonic toys, um, are always fun. Um, even, you know, um, puppet master, the puppet master series. Um, but I will say dolls by far, like out of all those as a kid, creep me out. Um, but I have such a fond appreciation for him And, and mainly because like literally by the time that movie is over, you don't feel bad for the bad guys <laughs> at all. Like you don't, you don't, you don't dislike them. Yeah. That's the thing is you feel, you feel bad for them and you actually feel like a sense of like, uh, I guess like, okay, that's everybody got what they deserved at the, at the very end of the movie. Um, so I, I think it, it's just a very kind of cool concept. It's a little bit of fantasy. It's definitely horror. Um, 
but it's really a good mix. Like, and, and I would say like to the point of like, yes, like throughout most of the movie, the dolls are extremely creepy, but in the same lines too, like you get to the very end and you're like, they're you know, they're like not really that bad, you know? Um, so obviously these, these caretakers like have way more behind the scenes stuff going on than you, you probably realize. Um, but um, I, I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite this time of year. So I just had to go with the dolls. Um, just the, the box art cover alone is enough to love the, the original box cover is one of my, I love it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, spoiler alert. It's not the only Stuart Gordon movie that will appear on this list tonight. Um, I have no doubt. Um, but yeah, that's a great, that's a good choice. Um, it, honestly, I feel like the puppet master franchise has become so watered down because they've done so many movies and it's come through so many sort of iterations. I think sometimes people overlook the how genuinely good the original Puppet Master is for what it is. Um, uh, and I feel like it would have always been, because I, I do love the, that mythology. I do love those characters. Um, I To this day, I still plan on someday getting a tattoo of Blade because um, he's the perfect, cre- perfectly creepy little SS soldier. Anyways, um, what a creepy little doll. But um, but Dolls is always up there. And again, like I feel it with you, it's, it's actually like, the movie has some intelligence. It actually has a very interesting story that, you know, people can sometimes dismiss. And again, Stuart Gordon, um, you know, can't go wrong. I feel like, I feel like Stuart Gordon is like B minus John Carpenter because the dude did so many great <laughs> things um, and did a lot of like really like memorable movies, but he doesn't get the credit that, that John Carpenter gets. But I mean, if you go through everything that Stuart Gordon did, he's, he just, he, there was like, 10 years where he was just knocking it out of the park and a lot of the movies he did weren't like super well-known or super successful but they're really they hold up and they're really good movies and a lot of them we need to talk about on this podcast uh so for my horror remake the horror remake is the next one i definitely went with one i think uh could be controversial or definitely maybe unexpected although if you listen to this podcast you should already know how i feel about it because we have talked about it at least once um so of all the great horror makes, because some of the greatest horror movies of the last 40 years have been remakes. We've talked about that on this podcast. Uh, but I went with a contemporary remake, and I went with Suspiria. As a gigantic fan of the original Argento with Suspiria, I had, you know, reservations about the uh, the re- the remake when they announced it. But then I started hearing who was involved and, you know, hearing some sort of production stuff. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And what ends up happening, like, for a remake of a very stylish, of its time, um, kind of dreamy, atmospheric, you know, Italian horror movie, uh, they produced a very artfully done, truly fucked up and disturbing and violent version of that same setting. And there are sequences in the remake which fuck me up more than most, like, you know, Siberian, like, there are sequences in this movie that really kind of unnerve me. And there's a violence to it that is very uh, ballsy and very, um, but also brilliantly filmed. And like, uh, I feel like I've seen, I've now seen the remake twice. In fact, um, I'm waiting for that Blu-ray to, to show up. Cause I, I was like, Oh, I didn't realize I didn't own that uh, film, but I've seen it twice. And each time I've seen it now, I liked it more than the first time. And I feel like it's going to be one of those movies that I really, uh, 
over the years, I'm going to probably watch more and more. And I don't give a shit if nobody else likes it. I does not matter to me if you don't like it. Good for you. Uh, your your fucking prizes in the mail. But um, <laughs> but I love it, and I feel like everything it wanted to do, it did it, and then some. There are even days where I'm like, is this actually a a legitimately a better movie than Argento's? And I feel like it might be. I definitely feel like there are arguments to be made for specific aspects of the script that I could make that argument. Um, I could say definitely pacing and editing of it, the film might have some argument with that, but obviously I love the original. It's one of the most memorable horror movies ever made and very, the, I mean, the Goblin score alone is untouchable. Nothing comes close to it. I think it's Simon, Claudio Simonetti and Goblin and it, they're, I mean, it's fucking, it, it's legendary for a reason. But anyways, I really enjoy it. Um, and I feel like it's one of those movies that it's more rewarding the more you watch of it. Because even, there's a lot of like, obviously over the top, crazy sort of nightmarish scenes that happen. But I also think there's a lot of subtle horror that's happening um, that sort of you're rewarded with, with multiple viewing. So, but that's my choice is the uh, Suspiria remake from 2016. Great choice, man. Uh, yeah, and I, I would agree. Uh, just the score alone is phenomenal. Um, yeah, Tom York. Yeah, you know, if you like you like your Radiohead, very melodic. Uh, you know, very uh, you know, very Euro. Um, but yeah, there, like... there are definitely there are definitely scenes of that movie that are in their twisting, contorting, and um, way more. Like we talk about it, and I always think of remakes from the vein of like keep a great movie but like you can visually make it better you can score it better you can you can do well like keep the integrity of it and i think that's what this remake of Suspiria does it keeps all that great stuff that you love about the original it enhances it to uh, almost like in a level of modern time um but it doesn't lose anything in the process which can't be said for a lot of remakes um yeah. and there are a lot of really great remakes out there and this was hard because like honestly like ones that went through my mind are the Town That Dreaded Sundown remake, which was like canon with the movie, which I thought was awesome. Um, I know you were just watch, watching that the other day too. Um, obviously yeah. we talked before about the Fright Night remake, which you know I absolutely love. Um, the one that really stuck out to me that like really resonated and I was like, you know, this is a, this is a remake that I think did, did change the vein of, um, you know, kind of the way that the genre was looked at for, for a while was the Dawn of the Dead remake. Um, yeah. that, is, that, is not, that is not an easy remake to do. Um, obviously, Romero is, you know, was always considered kind of the king of the zombies. Um, I feel this movie kind of took that and took the spirit of that and flipped it on its head a little bit, had some fun with it. Um, but what I loved about it is there were some fun elements in the original Dawn of the Dead. I mean, who doesn't envision kind of having free reign in the mall, right? Um, yeah. There's a, definitely a lot of scenes where that, that is going on. Um, the cast is, is very likable yet unlikable at the same time. Um, so like, I'm not a huge, not, not, not a huge Sarah Polly fan, but um, I have like limits um, what I can watch her in. Um, and there's like two movies that come to mind and this is Dawn of the Dead and Splice are the only two that really like stick out to me that I can, I can kind of tolerate. So the fact that I can appreciate this movie and have her as a lead, like a female protagonist, um, Jake Weber as well. Like, yeah, I, I think he's a good actor, but um, he's your kind of your everyday, everyday man uh, as well. But he's got big rings in it. 
It's just got a really great type. Ty Burrell, like if anybody's watched him in Modern Family, a very different character. Like polar Um, opposite character. Polar opposite character. Um, But there are just some, just even some cool scenes in that movie. Uh, But it really took the genre of zombies of being this like very slow moving and like this guy made him run. Um, And I, we did see that. And I won't say like, this is an original concept because we saw that in like Return of Living Dead. you know, in, in those movies, but I, I think this is one that was more in the movie and I think kind of really helped in a way boost the, the kind of the zombie uh, genre uh, a little bit. So yeah, that was, that's why, and I, I never get old watching it either. I think it's just um, got a good soundtrack. So um, yeah, I, I, I like I like it as a remake. I will say, you know, I saw it in the theater and I will say, you know, I was ready. To, and again, the, con- the very controversial uh, Zack Snyder. Uh, I I sat in the theater and I think the smartest thing they could have done as filmmakers was what they did with the first 15 minutes is they completely different. I mean, obviously, because you don't have the mythology of, you know, of Night of the Living Dead and the sort of that opening sequence, the first 15 minutes of everything that happens is so fucking batshit crazy, but also really well done. The, it's paced really well. It's shot really well. Um, you know, even though there's a lot of CGI special effects, they work well enough in the movie. Um, that literally, I sat in the theater being like, in fact, there is again, I'm sure we talked about where you see the car driving and the, the, it's like the, it's like a helicopter shot or an aerial shot that's sort of pulling. So you started to see more of what's happening around it and the chaos of like the bus T-boning. And like, I was oh, just yeah. like, I was like, it felt scary. It felt like intense. It felt like the end of the yeah. world and stuff. And obviously people, some people have a, uh, have a problem with the quote unquote a team scene of in the movie and like the ridiculousness of that. But I dude, I think it's fun. I think, you know, it's, they did enough with it to modernize the the Romero uh, and because again, Dawn of the Dead is probably is it the best zombie movie ever made? I think it's definitely argue you can argue that point, but I think the remake did it just they made they did what everything that they hit the right points and they just made it more updated and more fun and you know uh, a little bit more over the top and I, I have no fault with it. I rewatch it pretty regularly, so uh, you know. I think of modern remakes. I I definitely think it's in the upper echelon. So, yeah, no, I totally I, agree. I, I I love the setup of that the initial movie. Um, I love the fact that they they start off in like a hospital setting. You know, they they talk a little bit, and you don't really get it the first time around as you're watching it. You're just thinking this is like a boring setup. Um, but then when you watch it again, it's like you know, talk about the patient that's got a bite, and now he's in ICU, and he's got you know brain issues, and you know, how does a patient go from a, a bar fight to a yeah. You know, I see. Yeah, and so I think it was really clever in, in that regards as Very well. And again, yeah, it's it's not the best movie ever, but it was enough to influence uh, George Romero when he did Survival of the Dead to film Survival of the Dead on an island, which yep. um, which if you watch the the post uh, post credit scenes and mid credit scenes is where um, they end up is where Big Ramsey character they they end up, and uh, and Romero himself has said that that you know, helped kind of, and it was a little bit of a nod to it um, in that regards as well. So, I mean, I will say if too, that, if that guy could appreciate it. Exactly. Uh, I feel like Ving Rhames is like, he's like, he seems like he would have been like the perfect seventies. Like he felt like he could have worked with like Romero or worked with like, even like Italian. Like Ving Rhames just has that quality, which I'm like, 
yeah. he just has that old school tough guy badass um he is i, I was just like, watched him in the most terrible obviously the most terrible remake ever was uh the the piranha movies and i just watched the one where he was at the water park and and he's a survivor of the first one and he's like get my titanium legs and he, <laughs> and he gets in the water and uh he starts like killing all the fish and he's got like shotgun legs and I was like, man, big rings. It doesn't matter how crappy the movie is. I will watch big rings and shotgun legs in a wheelchair. Any, I mean, to me, movie. I would rather take the 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 Piranha remake. I, I multiples, I guess, but I'll take those over fucking like uh, Shark Nato or whatever. Like, anyways, <laughs> they're, they're they're definitely the same wheelhouse. Uh, yeah. But good choice. Um, so the next one is Man versus Horror, which Man versus Nature, excuse me, which is I think is a horror subgenre that people don't think about a lot. It's like not one people talk about, but you know, it's actually, there's some amazing, obviously, you know, you go with the very obvious Jaws and stuff like, and the infinite amount of Jaws ripoffs, um, Cruel Jaws, uh, which is still a title I can't believe exists. Um, But, you know, going through it, there was like a ton I wanted. I I was like, I was like, oh, I, you know, it it was a much harder one to to really narrow down for me than I would have thought. I almost went with arachnophobia um, because it's very, that movie has a very actually kind of dark Halloween vibe. Uh, very fitting. I love that movie. But I went with a different spider movie. Uh, so, you know, I wanted to do Grizzly. There's a couple I thought about, Pro- The Prophecy. Um, but that's a little too sci-fi-y. But um, I went with Eight-Legged Freaks. Yes, that was my pick. Is that your pick too? Yes crazy whoa that's so weird all right well yeah i mean it's just i'll i'll let you then talk about it uh too but uh i will just say it when it came out it was like it had a vibe that we hadn't really seen maybe since like tremors honestly um where it's like silly and funny but it's actually really like it's a really fun movie and it's pretty intense and like i feel like it was the perfect david arquette's starring vehicle because it just it just has his vibe, man. And like, uh, I remember the first time I, I rented it, I think I ended up like rewatching it, even not immediately, like, but like maybe like a few hours later. It's just a really fun movie with giant spiders. It definitely has an homage to like, you know, uh, them and, you know, uh, you know, the old drive-in giant, you know, insect giant monster movies, uh, but also being very modern and very fast edits and very MTV, but, um, I just it's really fun man and it's like it's something I could definitely sit down and just like not think about and just enjoy it. and it's yeah you got Doug, Dougie Fresh is a conspiracy that's right. theorist that's right that, which is great he has a radio show um, yeah this this movie number one is very near and dear to my heart it is actually the very first movie when my son was a baby that I uh, I took him to go see he was in his little car seat and I at the time when when he was born I worked at a movie theater and uh, so I did the theater to myself and I put a little earmuffs on him and, you know, made sure he was, he was sound asleep and watch Eight-Legged Freaks. And uh, and it was great. I was like, yeah, your first movie is a horror movie and that's the way that it, it should be. Uh, plus you're too young to, to not remember it anyways. So um, I couldn't traumatize you that much. But yeah, I mean, it very much was reminiscent of the classic creature feature. Um, I totally agree. David Arquette is, it was like the perfect vehicle for him um, at the time of kind of like the... Uh, the boy coming home uh you know back to the old town love interest has a very young scarlett johansson um equally as beautiful in the movie um 
you know, just some great monster scenes in that. Um, you know, obviously, Tom Mayer is a scumbag, which is great. Um, just a, a really fun, really just fun movie. Uh, I love the the deputy of the town. It's like oh, this guy, like cats get gets eaten the wall. Um, and I will say, Arachnophobia is right up there. I love Arachnophobia. Jack Daniels, uh, that movie is hilarious. Um, you know, it, that is a um, Bunny Summers as the uh, the neighbor neighbor kid. Um, yeah, that that's always one. That is also one that's very near. It's like the only horror movie my dad could not. He was terrified of spiders. Could not take me to go see a spider movie. Made my grandma take me. And, <laughs> uh, and yeah, two movies my grandma had to take me to go see: Prince of Darkness and uh, and Arachnophobia. Both in which she waited in the lobby, bought me a ticket, put me in there, and left me in there um, at the at the local theater, and it was great. So. Um, yeah, both both great movies, but I would definitely say this time of year, Alien Freaks is, is a good staple, and I think uh, you know I've got a very underrated movie, uh, but it's definitely a fun creature creature feature. Yeah, I mean it's 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 one of the ones that doesn't come up a lot, especially recently. Um, I mean you have like Big Ass Spider was you know kind of new, but yeah. there's just something so much fun, and like I said, it's definitely there's a vibe that's very similar to Tremors for me. Um, and I sometimes I'm like, that's a, a good double feature. Put on the original Tremors. Uh, by the way, while we talk re- real quick, did you actually see the, the new Tremors? I did. I did. I watched it. The re- I literally watched it the next morning uh, after because I totally forgot that it it, uh, it had come out and that it was on Netflix. So I was literally getting my car worked on whilst I was sitting waiting, <laughs> uh, waiting to like get it, get my brakes checked. Um, while waiting uh, and watching Tremors like in the lobby. Um, you know, I, first of all, I actually really like John Heater way more than uh, yes, Jamie Kennedy. me too. In this movie, um, surprisingly enough, very un-Napoleon Dynamite like in a way, um, which is great. Um, I definitely do think, I read an article with Michael Gross at the very end where um, they were talking about his, um, you know, like future of the Tremor franchise. And he's very strategically called out Well. You don't, uh, I'm, I'm just going to, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it yet, pause here. Skip. Rest in peace. Uh, RIP, but if you, uh, you don't see Burt Gummer die. Though I don't know how he would survive that. The, exactly. The that it spikes and then blew up. But maybe, maybe he maybe he jumped out from the ass end uh, before yeah. it happened. I have no idea, but um, you but never they, know. But even the end, they, they, I don't know, but yeah, I didn't, yeah, okay. I don't, they even I don't give know him like a do. memorial at, at Anyway, but they did. I, it probably is, you know, it probably is the end for him, but I'm pretty sure it's a studio, it's a franchise that they want to pull him back. Like, he's no better person for that role, uh, yeah. in, in my opinion. I did watch his some of his uh, actually, I totally forgot they had a Tremors TV show with him. Um, you got to watch it for free on YouTube. Uh, there's a couple episodes, so I was watching those, uh, like earlier in the week as well. But yeah, that's uh, it's a good <laughs> movie, it's a classic. Well, that's interesting that we have all of the different uh, man versus nature movies out there. Killer animals. Kill, I mean, like the long weekend. There's a the beautiful, um, there's actually poetic, brilliant movies that we both went with Eight-Legged Freaks. But it's because it's a fun-ass movie. Um, it is a fun-ass movie. So zombie movies. Obviously, this is one of the most notorious, most well-known, probably the most uh, prolific recent of all recent uh, modern subgenres. Um, so I went uh, through a bunch, like, I, you know, there's a ton of brilliant 
zombie movies. Uh, I'm always been very partial to like Italian zombies, whether it's Fulci zombies or things like, you know, the house by the cemetery or, I mean, there's a ton uh, of really interesting, gross, scary. Um, but I went with something that is true to my heart. Maybe it's a little obvious uh, if you listen to this podcast, um, but I went with return of the living dead part two. I love the first one. Obviously oh. it's a classic. But I went with part two. And the reason being is, to me, it feels, I, I, they're both great. And I know there's people who will probably be mad at me at what I'm about to say. But I feel like Return of the Living Dead, while it's brilliant and it's great, it's one of my favorite movies, I've watched it a billion times, I do feel like it's a little overhyped in that... Um, no, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I feel like Return of the Living Dead Part 2 is is its equal in lots of ways, and it's not like the shitty s- sequel that everybody for the longest time made it out to be. Um, I like the kid, main kid. Like I said, it opens up with this kid who's like reading comic books and like zombie. Like, I was like, I just relate. Maybe it's like it is very personal for me because I was at that kid's age when I saw it. Um, the, like, the you know, the, the bully zombie kid still like kind of cracks me up um but it's redheaded little red ugly that ugly motherfucking kid uh to me like ruined flannels for everybody exactly that right uh well not for me but (laughs) (laughs) but fuck dude the movie is just bananas once that movie starts getting going it's literally i mean there's a fucking zombie jeep chase like the movie is bananas man and like i love the special effects it's so dumb. It's dumb in the best possible way a movie can be dumb because it's not trying to be. It, it knows it's dumb and is reveling in it. The dialogue is silly. The special effects are so over the top and the designs, even though like, you know, there's like, you know, the the torso, like there's just so many cool elements. Uh, it, it's it Once it gets going, it doesn't stop. And it's like, you know, it's, and it, to me, even though it's silly of the two, there are scenes in the original Return or the Return of Living Dead Part One, the first one, that really do did unnerve me. Um, but this one, like, even though it's not as like, I don't know, there's like, it just felt more insurmountable. I think that's what it is because in the first one, yes, you have like, it is a big group of zombies attacking that thing, but this one, it feels like they've overrun everything. Like they're un- right. like they're everywhere. So, they're everywhere. Yeah, like, especially like especially the scene where um, my, my one of my favorite scenes in that movie. Um, is the firefight scene between the soldiers and the uh, yep and the zombies because like they're just mowing them down with like machine guns, guns. and they're still getting up and coming yeah and and you know so like that is a scene and then all of a sudden like two scenes later you see them driving with the same jeep yeah like, driving driving by um, what I really liked about that movie was one of the very few movies in which you can take two characters that very clearly die in the first one bring them back in the second one and as different characters in like a deja vu moment and yep. still have to be equally as good and intriguing of like what happened yep. to them. And nobody questioned it. Like people question it, but yet they don't at the same well, yeah. time. They go, yeah. what the well, fuck? Because again, I was like, wait, what? I, yeah, it's like, wait, what? Aren't they? But you just go with it. And I, I, the whole like grave robbing thing I thought was really interesting. Like, um, I, I don't know. It, it To me, yeah. it's everything I want from like around horror or excuse me, around Halloween, I just want to be 
entertained and, and you know, feel spooky and, and have like monsters and stuff. But I also just want to have fun. Um, sure. And I just want to be on a couch in the dark watching like, and it to me, it's like, it's, it's just so much fun. And I, I could have gone with the original one, obviously, but I feel like part two is just a, maybe a little bit closer to my heart uh, in weird ways. Okay. Um, you know, and I, again, it's hard to say because, you know, if in my studio, I'm literally, you know, I, part two posters right there. And then part one posters over there. Like, obviously I love them both, but it just, I just, there's something as a kid, if you'd asked me at 12 years old, what my favorite horror movie was, if I didn't say Evil Dead 2, I said Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Well, I think, and I think we, we talked about this as well, like in previous podcasts, I think you and I were both in the same boat where we had actually seen Part 2 before we saw before Part, saw part one. 1. Yep. Um, so they, that was immediately like ingrained in the movie. And then it made Part 1 equally as fun, but also like scary as well. Um, yeah. it, it took me the longest time actually to realize, and I don't know if you've ever, ever spotted this or not, uh, but, but Bert, um, the, the kid in the second one is Jesse Wilson mm-hmm. and, um, and the main owner Bert in the first one, his last name is, I, I believe his last name is Bert Wilson. Um, and th- so I always thought like when I was a kid, when I watched it too, I was like, Oh, Bert must be his grandfather. And they, that's why like the grandfather is good at like shooting guns and like big into this stuff. Maybe he got out of town, like in the first one. So it gets your mind going, you know, like. And I've get, like, never even considered through. that, but now I'm going to have yeah. to go back and rewatch. Yeah. I've never uh, even read, read that online. That's interesting. But yeah, like, yeah. yes. With the, the, the guns, the gun collection. The, uh, yeah. the one thing I will say about Return of the Limited Part 2, which I love, the first one is amazing, but the zombie designs in Part 2 are Oh, yeah. Fucking perfect. Like, obviously, the first one, they're great, too, obviously. But there's uh, there's something they nailed with their version of zombies. Uh, one thing, I, like I said, I love a lot of Italian horrors, like, Italian zombie movies, because um, they're usually very gross and, you know, very, like, scary. But uh, their zombies would look a little, like, slapdash. Like, sometimes in the background is just a dude with, like, green face paint and what looks like toothpaste all around his mouth. But here they're like very well designed, especially the animatronic ones and yeah. stuff. So, kudos yeah. especially for the, all of the uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Effects. Especially you know the the two scenes always stand out with me are the uh, the torso scene where yes. uh, they blow him in half with a shotgun, or even just a scene where the uh, the dad of the the bully is uh, is checking the woman in the road, and then when they look up, she's got the worms in her face. Her face. And I was like, wow! Like as a kid, I was like, that's fucking awesome! Like that's amazing. Um, so. I, you know, I, I did pick a different movie other than this, though, the Return of Living Dead and Return of Living Dead 2 are near and dear to my heart, and I watch them every year, so I, I watch them all year long, um, but the movie that I just recently watched that I had never seen is actually, that I thought was fun, uh, is a movie called Ah, Zombies, and I, and I don't know if you've ever ever seen it, uh, I've never James. heard of it, Ah, Zombies? It, it's called Ah, Zombies, and it's actually, uh, it's actually a movie told from the zombies perspective. So it's about this group of friends that, uh, that could turn into zombies. And from their perspective, they are still human. They're doing all these things that like humans would do and don't understand that they're zombies and don't understand they're dead. But to the rest of the world, they are zombies. Mm-hmm. Like there's just some amazing scenes where they like, they try to go bowling and like they're in the bowling alley and they're, they're thinking they're like bowling this great game. And like literally 
it's watching zombies bowl. Like it, it's crazy. Um, and the only people that really understand and like can see them are actually, it's this drunk guy. Drunk people can see them more as like humans than like if they're zombies because they're, they're loaded. Um, it's just <laughs> a very interesting, very like meta take on, on zombies. But uh, yeah, it came out back in 2007. And, uh, you know, I just read about it, uh, you know, about a month or so ago. And I, I thought, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go check it out. It's on Prime. Um, so if you ever get a chance to check it out, uh, watch Prime. But um, it's just a super fun movie. Uh, I think very slapsticky, very much in the vein of what we were talking about with Return of the Living Dead too. But unlike uh, unlike Warm um, Warm Bodies, which does take things from the inner monologue of uh, a zombie, but recognizes they're a zombie. This is a this is a very much a movie where people are zombies and they have no idea that they're zombies and they have no idea that other people are zombies. But they don't know why they attack three people. They just don't know what happens like when, when that does occur. And so um, it, it's just a very kind of fun movie to watch. Like how do you you know here's this one perspective and then here's this whole other perspective as well. The cast is really fun. Uh, it's got some really great uh, great actors in it as well. Um, you probably recognize quite a few of them, including uh, uh, Tracy Walter. <laughs> um, very classic uh, horror, horror movie guy. Always plays a drunk. Plays a drunk in this movie, too. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but definitely, if you get a chance, check it out. It's, it's a super fun movie, and it's right up the alley for this time of year. Interesting. I looked it up, and I, I like the, the cover. I do remember the cover, uh, actually seeing that, but... Uh... Yeah, interesting. Not one uh, would have been on my radar, but uh, I, the thing is, like, you're very much attuned with the the horror comedies. So, usually, uh, if you like a horror comedy, I, I usually end up liking it. Um, so, uh, the next one is uh, Stephen King movies. So, obviously, you know, uh, there's a ton you could choose from. A lot of classics. Um, uh, I my I have a very specific uh, in my so uh, huge Stephen King fan, fan of Stephen King and his and films adapted. I, I especially like the the films that sort of take his source material and change it or adapt it to the film. You know, um, originally I was going to go with uh, the original Salem's Lot, the TV the TV movie. Um, even though I've heard decent things about the uh, Rob Lowe uh, one, um, not that it's good, but I've heard there's some redeeming aspects about it but um i went with the mist but specifically the black and white version the black and white edit version um solely because uh the biggest glaring issue i have with the original or with the mist the the mist film is how glaringly bad the cgi special effects are but somehow work much better when it's uh, black and white and then once again once it's in black but it does feel sort of like an old sci-fi horror movie but i mean the mist is just start to stop uh one of the you know most emotionally affecting horror movies um not, and not just because the ending even though the ending is as emotionally wrecking as any horror film in history the most ballsy endings um frank frank darabont uh just, he understands stephen king better than anybody um and he like understood how even how to improve that short story and the fact that Stephen King's like fuck I wish I'd written I wish that was my ending, um, even though Stephen King does is he's like he 
Stephen King by nature is an optimist, where some people have made his films are by nature pessimists. <laughs> Looking at you, Stanley Kubrick. But <laughs> so it's not necessarily a Stephen King ending, but it works so perfectly in in the movie. Um, spoiler alert for those of you that haven't seen the uh, the mist out there. Uh, it's got a bummer ending. Um, but um, it's even more than that. Like the whole film is about self-preservation and protecting one's own family and one's own rather than, um, you know, risking your safety and the safety of the people that you love. Um, it, there's a lot. It's like, you know, man versus, you know, uh, you know the the group mentality. It's it's man versus nature. It's it's man versus himself. There's a lot of themes. Obviously, big themes in the mist. Um, I think one thing is I think that the actual concept is genuinely fucking creepy. Um, and you know, in the realm of sci-fi horror, is almost plausible. Um, it's it's you know understanding that the government is working on all the sophisticated technology and all these different kinds of weapons. The fact that, like, if there is, if there is possibility that there are alternate realities out there or side realities that, if we could break in, what that would look like, and the fact that this, in this film cinematic world, uh, it's not a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's, it's genuinely upsetting and genuinely scary. Um, I think you know, uh, Marsha Gay Harding and uh, Thomas Jane both are do such an job in this movie i mean I, I think everybody's great in this movie um uh but i think that they have the two biggest roles obviously with thomas jane is sort of the hero the the protagonist uh and then marcia gay harding as the human monster uh the over-the-top religious zealot um but i think it's it works so well it's melodrama but in that great stephen king way um i love it and i think Obviously, when it's in black and white, it just feels a little bit like more of a classic monster movie. Um, and it does, it actually makes the film a little bit more palatable. Than the film. Even though I do love, I mean, I, I love the the color version too. I mean, I don't really care that much, but I think the black and white takes a little bit of the edge off of the very terrible CGI. In fact, to this day, I still am like, look, man, can we do a re-release of The Mist and just update the CGI you did it with Star Wars, and I know it's not the same, but like if we could just get updated version, don't remake it. Just spend whatever movie money you would make to remake the Mist, and put it into the just redoing the CGI because you know otherwise it's a perfect movie. And um, but yeah, like I said I think the black and white takes a little bit of that edge off, and then works a little bit more with it because again it feels like this old like like an old fifties drive-in sort of monster movie just turned up to 12 but anyways that's my choice i think it's it's a movie i rewatch consistently and even though the shining carrie uh salem's lot the original it um you have so many that uh are amazing there are time we even talked about you earlier uh children of the corn right yeah cujo cujo um, christine even pet, like there's christine yeah. pet cemetery um yeah i you know there are a lot of great really great adaptations and i i, I thought about this too um, one that always came to my mind that I really liked, I know it, it, some people are not fans, but uh, is Thinner. Mm. Um, you know, I, I always grew up so, you know, for it, I think I said this on this podcast, I, I grew up in a town that had, uh, you know, Romani gypsies uh, in town. And, uh, and you know, at, growing up, you know, my, my parents always say, like, stay, away, stay away from the gypsies um, <laughs> for a variety of reasons, um, mainly because they would rob you um get me your but, ears gypsy um, or we'll take them from you sorry any gypsies out there <laughs> sorry yes no i 
My wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, and, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I, I, I gotta share this really quick. I saw this video the other day. Uh, it says, uh, "Gypsy woman leaves husband on wedding day for cousin," and it was one of the funniest videos I've ever seen. And it actually happened. Like the cousin gypsy stole stole the the stole uh, the bride stole the bride which stole was his cousin which was his cousin and they left together. It was anyway. Sorry. Just, no, no, no. All, all bets are off. I, so, so that that resonated with me as a kid because I was like, "Oh shit!" Like that's you know that's you know parents warned me about this. I, I also this whole idea of also wanting to piss off gypsies because I you know I was a fat little kid and I, and I want somebody <laughs> to give me pie and make me thinner. So I was like, "Hey, like fuck you, zombie! <laughs> fuck you, you gypsies! Uh, come make me thinner! I'm gonna curse you!" <laughs> um, you know so. <laughs> um, so, awesome. but for me, I, I always thought it was a great movie. I thought the concept was really great. Um, I think, um, you know, it, it's really got some good acting in it. Um, the, the premise is very interesting. Nobody would think that like being thin is a curse. Um, but at the same time too, like obviously it becomes a blight. Um, and, and just like very much to miss, the ending is very tragic, um, you know? So I, I think, you know, can, obviously it's maybe not, the best Stephen King adaptation, but it's one that, that I fondly appreciate for this time of year. So that's, that's one I'm going to go with. It's funny because that yeah, definitely wouldn't have been one of my lists. In fact, I, I think I mentioned it once that it was one of the most disappointing. Uh, like at the time, I was like really into Stephen King, and it was like one of like at that point, I think it was like that and the Mangler were like the two most you know recent ones. And <laughs> and then you had like the Langoliers, and like it was just a, a time when being a Stephen King fan like uh wasn't uh wasn't really working out but uh maybe i need to revisit because it's been it's probably been 15 years since or maybe it's like 13 years yeah since i've seen it i haven't i've been watching a while i will say that the one that came to mind literally as i was like making this list um was actually night shift um and and i and i probably should pick that because i love their giant rat like creature um yep. rat bat creature but uh i hadn't it's seen also it got night shift is one of the coolest uh vhs covers of all time Yep, um, and and uh, and Brad Dorf is in it. So um, Brad Dorf, man, can't. I just was like on yeah. Facebook. Uh, it was a whole thing of like somebody posted a picture of him from I forget even which movie. As like obviously Brad Dorf's greatest role, and like it was like you it opened the floodgates. Like fuck no, it's this is the. And I was like man, as long as we just all agree that Brad Dorf is a uh, the man, that's all that matters. That Interesting choice. Yeah. So. This okay, so our next choice, the so uh, movie number 22 is yes. satanic cult films. So, up until yesterday, the when I came up with this list, I knew what my this was. I was going with the church. There's a ton of great, you know, uh, in fact, I've watched a ton even recently, whether you know, Devil's Reign, um, you know, Satan's cheer, uh, uh Satan's cheerleaders. I mean, it's a weird sub genre of horror, I just happen to be a big fan of, but. I was like, I'm going with the church. It's one of my favorite movies ever. One of the coolest, most atmospheric Italian horror movies. Um, but I was like, yeah, I'm going with the church. And then I rewatched uh, yesterday. I rewatched House of the Devil, which I've I'm, have always been a fan of. I rewatched a lot. But watching it, I was like, fuck. I think this is the per for me. I'm like, this is a perfect Halloween movie. So I changed it to House of the Devil, Ty West's debut film, debut feature film. Um, uh, to me, is one of the greatest achievements of the last like 15 years of horror, uh, I think came out in 2009, so not quite a decade ago, but um, 
and you know, I don't think Ty West has necessarily lived up to the potential I felt like he had with uh, House of the Devil. Um, I thought Innkeepers was okay, but not the movie I was hoping it for. I don't even remember what it's called, but the one that's like kind of like the Vice, Vice Magazine, Brian, or Jonestown Massacre kind of inspired movie. Right. That one was meh, but um, House of the Devil to me is perfect. I think, again, it's, uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's definitely, you know, classified as a slow burn horror, um, but it's so atmospheric. Um, so very few times does a movie does a movie be exactly what I want it to be and this was one of them um you know I even think like the whole like this like the way the film looks the I think the title sequence is my favorite thing uh, in film of the last 11 years like it feels exactly like what it's trying to be without and again even you know, this movie takes place in the 80s. I think 87, 88, I think is around what I heard Ty West said. It's sort of set in maybe earlier. It might be earlier. Um, but it, all of the fashion, all of that 80s aspect of it is very play sub, like it's very subdued and subtle and, and it feels honest. And that's the thing I think why there's an honesty to this movie. Like the satanic panic thing that it was trying to do, I feel like it definitely nails. Also, Mary Warrenoff, Tom Noonan, you could not have cast two better people uh, to be that like couple. Uh, you know, uh, they're also like B movie or or genre movie legends, but they're also per- I mean they're the perfect tall, gangly weirdo, and especially at this age, they're older now. So even you know they look uh, it's just everything about it is perfect. But you know Greta Gerwig, very uh, young, unknown Greta Gerwig as the best friend perfect um the soundtrack is fantastic uh the cinematography is great uh i love the pace of it i think you start to just really build up that atmosphere and a lot of it again you don't know where it's going and then the whole sequence with greta gerwig in her car and that dude knocking on her window like hey that was crazy dude and he's like wait you're not the babysitter she's like no and then boom out of nowhere and then again i think the last I think, in fact, I think the ending ending is really cool. Like, but the whole like once it you sort of unveil what's happening, and there's like that weird mutiny, yeah. which I even like the the special effects, like that makeup design, perfect. Like, I I couldn't say enough about this movie. Um, I I love it to death. I really do feel bad that uh, I don't enjoy Ty West's other movies as much as I do in this. I'm still hoping someday he'll come out with something I really enjoy. Not that the Innkeepers is bad. It's just, to me, it feels like more. If and how the devil would have been this follow up, but um, but yeah, it's I, I and again for me, it feels like Halloween. It it feels like a movie I should watch a Halloween. Right. It, the whole opening, you know, it's got that vibe. Even like with the uh, the D Wallace cameo and that whole opening sequence of like, it's just everything about it is like it's it it's like a warm cup of coffee to me. It, it just works so. That's my satanical movie, House of the Devil. Awesome, man. Great, great pick. Uh, yeah, definitely um, an excellent satanic movie, to say the least. Um, so my satanic movie is one that, one, I, I didn't think that I w- would ever really put on this list. Um, but I, I watched it again just recently for, for the, you know, about the third time. And, man, every time I watch this movie, I just get a fonder, a fonder appreciation for it. I mean, it's hereditary. This. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't go wrong. I mean, to me, I I love this movie, so 
Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's not your your traditional uh, traditional maybe uh, satanical, but they they are satanical. It is a god of Satan um, in this movie, and so I you know I really what I like about this movie is the subtlety of the actual like cult itself. Like so through the whole movie, it's really really focused on the uh, kind of the possession piece, like the uh, the habit of. I try to forget the gods that um, and it, this whole idea, but behind the scenes is this weird cult that was run by the grandma. She was like the grand Pumbaa of it all. Um, this whole thing was in the works from the very beginning, from the very time the mom got pregnant. Um, and, you know, this, this is really what it was intended to be. And so I always find that that subtlety is very creepy. Um, in itself and very reminiscent of like the the subtlety you find with like rosemary's baby right yeah. um it's like you think there's something weird going on you have a sense there's something weird going on you don't know if something weird is going on until something weird really happens and your mom's sawing her head off like as she's levitating mm-hmm. you know in the ceiling um so t- to me this is a a movie that's that's got a lot of subtlety but it's also really graphic um, it's got some very creepy moments to it. There's obviously, um, you know, kind of looking back, there's a lot of connection to it that you don't realize until you've watched it a few times of like, yep. wow, this is like very much a preordained Dane, situation. Yep. And, and then you wonder also at the end, like, what happens? <laughs> like, you know, because yes. you, have, you have this God who possessed this Charlie, the sister, who then possessed the brother. So it's like the brother the sister, the god, are like all in the same body, who also should be dead because he jumped out the window. You know, like it's it's totally fucked. Like at the end of the day, so uh, for me, I again, um, Ari Aster is a, is a very um, he's a great filmmaker. I, I know people that either love his stuff or hate his stuff, um, but I will say, like for somebody who watched right there initially and was like, I'm not 100 sold. Um, Having watched it a few times, like I have very much an appreciation for it now. Very, very much like Midsummer, um, in that regards as well. So this is to me, I think it's going to be one of my go-to uh, Halloween satanic movies. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's very successful. It does. It's genuinely upsetting and creepy. So um, you'll hear no argument from me, sir. Um, so our next choice, our next subgenre is body horror. Um, body horror was a kind of hard one for a different reason because I didn't. A lot of the body horror ones are really obvious. Like we've talked about them extensively on this. Whether it's this, you know, obviously, you know, uh, all the the um, the plethora of of Cronenberg um, films. Uh, although I do, I want to really see his um, I his son's new movie. I didn't really, I didn't care for antiviral i did it was like it was okay but it wasn't it a p- possessor possessor I've, i could have heard nothing but like good things I, I really want to see that but um obviously there's a ton to go through but we've talked about body melt there's a ton of them but i went with one that is a body horror movie and i i checked because when i i searched uh google for body horror movies and it came up so i was like okay so i'm not wrong uh but that is Stuart gordon's from beyond um uh, which you know definitely there is a body transformation element to that movie. Um, uh, to me, first off, 
from beyond will always hold the uh, the distinction of being the the even into my like my twenties the uh, VHS cover that f- fucking freaked me out. It's very in fact I guess the, the the VHS cover is very much body horror. But that's you know I think that's even why you know I uh, it comes to my mind. But um, it's such a fucking crazy movie. Uh, once again, you know you have Stuart Gordon, uh, Brian Yoon's uh, uh, you know, kind of once again loosely adapt- uh, 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 doing a loose adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft once again with Jeffrey Combs. Uh, but I mean, the cast Ken Foray, um, Barbara Crampton, who is very uh, appealing in this movie. Um, but yeah, it's a fucking batshit movie. <laughs> it's it's one of those. It's like I remember the the first time I I'd watched it you know, after not having seen it since I was probably like 12 or 13, you know, sometime in my mid to late 30 or mid to late 20s and being like, did I just, I'm like, is that all that, is this my memory? Am I misremembering this movie? And then rewatching it. No, that, that's really what happens in this movie. Uh, like, it's kind of a weird, there's like psychosexual things in this and like, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, this movie, uh, so for those of you, uh, for the listeners that haven't seen it, it's basically um, uh, this, the, you know, uh, scientist creates this thing called the resonator, which is a, like this machine that allows, uh, you know, people in its presence to see beyond what you can normally, like our reality, so they can see uh, other realities that aren't normally perceptible. Um, and uh, the, uh, the, his assistant, activates the machine and uh, starts seeing all these like crazy creatures. Um, and one of those creatures ends up biting him. Um, it, 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 there's like a weird, like there's like a love story. Like there were like a, I guess a love story. Uh, there's a, a sexual story, like a sexual obsession. Um, it, it, it literally almost has to be seen to be believed, but it's, it's, Everybody's great in it. Um, uh, um, Jeffrey Combs is great in it. Uh, Ted Sorrell, um, who's you know I, I think an unsung hero of uh, Stuart Gordon's films. Um, it just it's the the all the 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 uh, uh, the special effects. Spell, like I said, the last twenty minutes of this movie is just fucking crazy. But um, uh, the way that they filmed. Um, uh, uh, the uh i don't know what the his final form like the monster's final form Mm -hmm. it anyways it's crazy um it's a movie that like i i don't think is you know some people probably won't uh, uh, understand its charms it may not be for everybody but to me it's like completely rewatchable and like you know all the stuff with, with um jeffrey combs and barbara crampton and like and again, uh, poor Ken Foray, uh, you know, he's, you know, he, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's poor, poor Ken Foray. <laughs> he's, he's, he doesn't have <laughs> a lot of happy, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of happy endings in films. But anyways, my choice for body horror is uh, Stuart Gordon's uh, From Beyond. Excellent movie. Yeah, I, when you said, uh, funny enough, when you said, I have another Stuart Gordon movie on this list i either thought you were going to do reanimator or you were going to do uh from beyond um obviously sue gordon is amazing at uh you know at what he does and a lot of it yeah. is body related right yeah um, he, he's always on that like line of like 
you know, uh, even if it, the movie isn't quote unquote body horror, there's a lot of weird, creepy things that happen to the human body in this movie. So, yeah. There is um, just two movies that were really a toss up for me. And obviously we have the classic, you know, from beyond the fly. There are some really like very classic body horror. Um, so I, I was originally going to go with American Mary because that is a very much a body, body, mod- body modification horror. Um, and, and obviously there's, uh, you know, underlying elements of like, you know, revenge as well, yeah. which I thought is, was really well done. Um, but the one I ended up actually going with was actually one I think was like a very extreme. Um, but it, to me, even if you don't like the movie, you don't like the plot, like I think the, the metamorphosis is great, is actually Tusk. Um, so uh, obviously uh, Kevin Smith's film, which you never asked about, is gonna be batshit crazy. Um, those are the movies that he makes just for fun, like Yoga Hosers. But um, Justin Long's progression in that movie is something that is like absolutely terrifying. Um, you know, to 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 be a, pod, a podcaster just like us that uh, goes out to explore, um, you know, the reaches of the United States or in this case Canada, goes to Winnipeg, um, and then basically ends up getting drugged and turned into a human walrus. Um, by Michael Park, Parks, uh, of, all, yeah. of all people, yeah, uh, great actor in that movie. Uh, very, very uh, Ernest Hemingway like, uh, Herman Melville uh, version of himself. But just this idea of like you know being drugged and waking up and realizing like one of your legs has been amputated, and you know your teeth get knocked out, you're getting fucking tufts put in your face, and and by the end, the tragic transformation of uh, of his character is very disturbing and sad at the same time and it is one like short and very much short of human sympathy that makes me like almost wince a little at this idea that you were stuck you're human and literally a meat suit of walrus um funny enough i I just read an interview kevin smith who said that um you know he had originally like kicked around an idea for a sequel about uh about tusk and that uh it would it was uh, Justin Long, who is at this point like slowly been converted back to human form, and he becomes the Michael Parks psychological character and uh, proceeds to do the same similar thing to somebody else, but far less strategic in this. So, um, yeah, to me, the concept was always very interesting of like, you know, term- turning like, you know, body modification and turning human into animal. Um, while at the same time just being absolutely insane because you have Johnny Depp with a big fake nose and a French mustache and um, and that movie. Yes. So like there are a lot of elements of it that do not work, but from a body modification standpoint, like body horror, that piece is very cringeworthy. And so it makes me think of like, that's that's what I thought of initially. And if I had to pick a body horror that wasn't kind of in the realm of traditional, like we've always talked about, um, that is that is one I would definitely put in my books. But American Mary, Mary equally is good, just in a very different, uh, fashion Catherine Isabel can never go wrong yeah no exactly um uh yeah I, I feel bad because I, I think the Soska sisters it's definitely you know they've done they've done some of the things like the sequel to see no evil but um I definitely think <laughs> American Mary is like because I think it's also their most personal and stuff and they're most like anyways but uh but yeah Tusk is a very interesting movie uh, the tone of that movie is very odd because on one hand it's like the whole concept is literally a joke. It, it was a joke that they came up with on their podcast. Yeah. And, but 
but it's like a very silly, stupid movie. But then like, there's this very like the, the sincerity to the horror aspect of it. And I will say it's just special effects slash design of the human walrus is pretty fucking freaky. Uh, so I give it, I give it awards for that. Um, our uh, second to final uh, subgenre is hammer horror. Um, this is a hard one because there's a lot of hammer horror. I don't know, you know, obviously it's more, you know, I don't know how well hammer is known in the States. Obviously in England, it's a huge deal. Um, you know, the, it's a hammer's a British film company and a lot of their films had wide release in England, but you know, not much outside of Europe. Um, but you know, I'm a fan, um, but I realized recently how many of their films I hadn't seen. So, but kind of went back to the first one I thought of uh, and um, I rewatched it uh, uh, recently and it's, I'm like, yeah, this is the one I'm going with. And that is uh, Dracula AD 1972, which is uh, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, but basically like, you know, um, set in a quote unquote modern at, at, at the time of the film's release, modern day swing in London. Uh, and it's definitely the most fun, the most campy of all of the Dracula movies up to that point. Um, obviously, the original, um, uh, the original Christopher Lee uh, Dracula movie uh, is you know very atmospheric, very gothic, and cool, and very you know I I still say Christopher Lee will always be my ha- hands down my favorite Dracula. Um, but by Dracula AD nineteen seventy two, it's just fucking like it's real campy and silly. Uh, but because it's again, it's set in modern time, and it's about like this, like swing these like London hipster swingers, and one of them who's kind of a deranged uh, sociopath who wants to do a satanic ritual and basically, basically revives Dracula, who at this point uh, has has been centuries dead, um, into modern London, and of course Peter Cushing plays uh, uh, who's Ben Van Helsing's, you know, in the. Uh, Hammer Dracula films at this point plays Van Helsing's great, 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 great grandson or whatever. So he's still a Van Helsing. His, in fact, his, his niece is one of the, uh, uh, girls that gets, um, you know, uh, she's in this group of these like young swinging hipsters, London, 1970s hipsters. Um, and, uh, so of course she goes to him for help, but, it's a great fun movie, atmospherics, uh, all the, the settings and stuff. You, I think the only thing, and my friend Devin pointed this out recently to me, and I was like, exactly, like, I feel like it's a missed opportunity because you never see, they basically call forth Dracula, but he can't leave this, like, this consecrated, like, um, old church that was closed down because of satanic things that were happening in it. But, um, so, but he can't leave. So you never get to see Dracula. Uh, Dracula and swing in London, which I think would have been such a cool missed opportunity. Um, but other than that, it's just a really fun, uh, the music is great. In fact, um, I was, you know, I've re- recently rewatched the movie and then uh, the next day I was like on YouTube, just looking for the scores and different songs. And even some of uh, there's like contemporary, like seventies, like, you know, British rock and roll and Brit- British pop music in it too that was pretty fun and very much of the time but yeah to me it's like you can go the very much you know even like horror frankenstein like you can go with the very traditionally gothic um uh you know atmospheric you know pitchforks and 
foggy, you know, English countryside uh, version of Hammer Horror. But I went with I went with the '70s cool hip uh, uh, Hammer Horror movie. So that's the one I go went with. That's awesome. It's funny. I actually, for my Hammer Horror, actually picked a vampire movie as well. I did The Brides of Dracula from 1960 with uh, with Peter Cushing, um, which is probably like one of my all time favorite Hammer Horror movies. Um, and it's kind of funny. I, I really just personally liked it for, for David Peel's character, um, which is uh, Baron, Baron Meester. Uh, <laughs> I always said Meester when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this was just a classic. Number one, like short of Dracula, I had re- hadn't really seen like any of the other traditional, like non-traditional Dracula movies. Um, but Brides of Dracula is just a really great movie. Um, like super visually appealing, which I, I love about some of these like classic horror movies too. Um, there's just an overall like amazing score that's attached to this. Um, it's just, it very much sets the tone uh, of this classic vampire movie, but more importantly, just Peter Cushing as, as Dr. Von Helsing um, and, and any of these movies, like including the one that you just mentioned, James, is like, he was born to play that role uh, in my opinion. And so he's just excellent in this movie and the fact that like, you know, there's this close connection with his niece who's in this, you know, who's obviously, you know, kind of, kind of falling prey to everything that's going on. Um, it, this is just one of my all time favorites, to be honest with you. So um, that's, that's what I picked for my Hammer Horror movie. It's funny. Cause I, I, I do love rides of uh, Dracula. Um, Oh, it's funny because it's notorious because um, it's, you know, the only Hammer Dracula film that didn't have uh, Christopher Lee as Dracula in it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, is it David Peel who plays the the vampire in this? The very, like... Yes. Yep. Uh, is it David Peel? Yeah. Um, yes. You know, he's like this very, like, ponce, like, you know, is he blonde? I think he's, like, blonde or lighter He's hair. blonde, yeah. I yeah. was like... He's basically, I mean, he's like one step away from supporting leader hosing, you know? Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, it, it's it's sort of notorious for that because obviously a lot of people were like, hey, where's Chris Lee? Where's, where's my Dracula? But I love it. I think it's great. Um, I think uh, obviously all of the Hammer actresses are awesome. Um, but yeah, it's just quintessential, very much what they did well, which is that br- very British gothic horror and uh yeah i'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, brides of dracula in fact uh um i would put it in my top three so um which again which is weird because for a long time it was sort of it was in a lot of ways obviously it was like the hammer version of um uh, halloween three because people were like wait it's called dracula but dracula's not well, i mean and that's the thing it's like so different from and that's really what i liked about it is just so different from the normal like traditional dracula that you would get um to your point like it's not Christopher Lee. It's not like the slick back hair. It's not the traditional like Dracula look. That I mean, this this guy is you know, you know, it's white as it come with blonde hair and you know, it's not slick back and you know, he looks very traditional. To um, again, again, he could be sporting a meter hose. He looks very Nordic um, in this movie. So, um, but it's it's a very cool take on it, and it's not something you would see traditionally in the like in the hammer, hammer horror movies, yeah. you know, with Peter Cushing. So I think that's what really very much, I think it's a great analogy to compare this to uh, Halloween three season, the witch, because it's just out of the realm of all of them. It's like the most non-traditional one that you can there find. You um, so yeah, I, 
Cool That's choice. Long, yeah, I'm glad you like it. I just, uh, again, it, it's one of the ones that always sticks on my mind, and it's always just a fun watch for me. So, Good choice. Uh, so um, our final one, our number 25, is films that take place on Halloween. Now, any other year, uh, we just literally mentioned the movie, but any other day or any other year, I would have said Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Because to me, like, that movie is Halloween. Obviously, the whole point, the whole, a lot of movies, like, it's important that they take place on Halloween, but this is, like, central to the movie. That's true. Yeah, it's literally, it's about, you know, like, uh, it's about Sam Wayne. Like, it's about, like, anyways. Um, but so that would have been any other year. But this year, I'm changing it up. One of my all-time favorites, a movie we have definitely exhausted conversation on this podcast. We are we have probably literally picked the same movie. Um, uh, I think we might have. Uh, I'm going with Night of the Demons. Night of the Demons, yes. You awesome. have to, right? <laughs> you have I to. I mean, um, I literally had the same thought in my mind of of you know not wanting to avoid Halloween. Um, obviously, I didn't pick any of the Michael Myers in it. But season of which is very traditional, um, and, and to your point, it's like it is entirely 100% centered on Halloween, and that is the whole catalyst of the entire movie. But um, Night of the Demons is is just you have to put it in there. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's obviously it's very central to the the, the, the film itself. Um, I mean, it, it's one of the most fun, memorable films of its period. Um, a movie that didn't, I mean, didn't do super well at first, and then the longer it sat on the VHL shelves, uh, and, you know, it had a very memorable cover and very striking cover, but, you know, it just stood out at the time. Like, the that animated opening sequence is, you know, was unlike anything else that, was, you know, was they were doing. But then, then again, it gets right into its very, like, over-the-top, very, like, tongue-in-cheek, uh, you know, you know, hey, do you have... <laughs> Uh, do, do, do you have sour balls? Yeah, anyways, like, uh, anyways, but you know, you have Linnea Quigley who is probably 15 years too old for the part. Um, just, I mean, Stooge is one of the all time greatest uh, 80s uh, horror characters. Um, you know, it's it's stupid and fun and silly, and like, but again, there is something genuinely scary about it to me. Um, there's this this thing, and I've, I know I've said this before, but something about being trapped somewhere, which is again why I like the movie The Church, is like where all this terrible thing is ha- is happening, but you can't leave, and that's sort of like you know, it's like people are like, well, why don't you just leave? Well, in this movie, you can't just leave. How about that? We solved that problem. Um, although that's really how they solve the movie. It, you know, they the movie ends with them hopping over the wall, but for some reason, throughout the rest of the movie, they can't do that. Um, but the special effects are great. All the designs. It's got we- very weird, memorable moments. Um, Angel is one of the coolest, most memorable, especially because, again, you don't see a lot of female or uh, antagonists. Usually the, the, in horror, the, the, the villains are usually men. So to see a very strong, memorable female villain is cool. And, you know, like, you know, I, I forget the actress's name. Um, I think she's somebody famous's daughter or something but um but you know she came out of no she i don't think she i think she quit acting as soon as that movie was done but um but she's very memorable angela's such a cool character linnea quigley's great stooge is great what more can you say like it also sal, has audacious boobies sis so. no, but boobies. uh sal is, is a great character because he basically yeah. like su- pseudo stocks um yeah. you know the main character judy um to, to really be able to uh, to find out where she is, 
and then and goes there and basically comes in uninvited. Um, he's a stalker. Yes, he's a stalker. Yeah, there's definitely. And he couldn't like be that. more Italian. Is if, if, if he couldn't be making a bowl of spaghetti and talking about mob hits, and he still couldn't be more Italian than he was. Yeah, you know what's always funny about Night of the Demons that that always really intrigued me, which is the also the minor storyline of the old lady who kills her husband. <laughs> yes, um, and then when he comes out, totally out of blue. Totally out of the blue. blue. So I'm weird. Thinking, like when I watch that movie, and and every time it still gets me, and I always think like, oh no, like this is like maybe she's like possessed by Angela, and in the spirit of Halloween, no, she just fucking hates her husband. She, she yeah. kills, she kills him. I mean, he seems like a total prick. So I killed you, dear. Um, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely. Um, Linnea Quigley. Um, I, I've said this before a million times. Like the. Uh, the the weird lipstick and lipstick yes. boobzine uh, gets me every single time. Um, Which that's literally I, I know we've said it before, but my friend was like, "Dude, I watched this movie, and that's the only scene he could remember." And we were all like, "What?" <laughs> and like, because it's so what? That's who writes that? And that's what I think is missing from horror movies these days. A lot of the movies will, I'll, I'll eventually talk about uh, on this podcast that I've watched recently. Um, a lot of them have these like what the fuck moments where you're like. Somebody wrote this? Like, where did this come from? And I feel like that's missing from horror these days. But, um, but yeah, it's it, it's a classic. And I think, like, as, as the older I get, it just, you know, sort of cements itself just because it is so rewatchable and it's so much fun. And it's got a cool soundtrack, too, very much of the time. This sort of uh, kind of new wave punk rocketing, you know, it's 45 Graves. Like, it just, it's, anyways, it's super cool. What What more can you say? It is uh it is both of our choices for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. It it is the quintessential Halloween movie that takes place on Halloween, um, literally in a Halloween party. So I do feel like though I do need to mention. So I kind of ate my own words a little bit. I kind of had to eat crow a little bit because for a long time I hated Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers. Um, but I rewatched it recently, and I think the only thing I really don't like about it is it's just it's the pacing is so wrong like it it they're like it lags too much in the third act like usually horror movies really build up in the third act that's really where things start getting to go uh and in this movie it's like the third act starts so slow but um but i rewatched it, i was like i actually kind of do like this movie that poor little girl like you kind of heart goes out to her um i was like i think i've been a little un- unjustly harsh on this movie for a few years but uh again it it definitely it could especially like that third act you could probably take out 10 minutes of uh you know story out of that and it's just like and a lot of just like dr loomis talking to people like we don't do we need this like let's let's hurry this up like but but yeah but anyways i feel like i should need to end with that because i was like it's actually really good not just halloween the, the film franchise but takes place on halloween like i was like this is actually pretty fun they're pretty good but it just the pacing of it kills it then for me but yeah very much so. Well, all right. Great, great, great list. Super, super sized episode for, for a Halloween. Super si- for a super sized holiday. Indeed. Exactly. And of course, I want to thank you, you know, for listening to over, like, this is probably the longest uh, podcast we've recorded, which is awesome. Uh, a little over two hours. That's great. Uh, and, you know, if you enjoyed this uh, this list, feel free to let us know at Tank Rod Pod on Twitter and Instagram. For now, 
Um, that'll probably be changing over the you know uh, in as we go into 2021. But we'll let you know as it happens. And then, of course, if you did enjoy this conversation for the time being, give us a follow if you've not already done so on Spotify, and then subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, and make sure to leave us a five star glowing review for these guys' time and effort and letting us know the uh, top 25, uh, you know, uh, movies uh, to watch during Halloween time. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, good, good talk, good talk, guys. Uh, go ahead. I just want to say real quick, I missed you guys. Uh, we haven't recorded in a while, uh, but it's great to see your faces. I- me uh, too, and I know we're I, so I miss and you I know guys. We're gonna and I'm be excited back in that the, we're back in the studio track. together yeah. soon. Back, back yeah, for Halloween. It's gonna be great. And, uh, I think it'll be a, a, even a, a more better dynamic. So. Oh, really quick. Breaking in the new year. While I was a new name. Uh, while I was and, uh, to you, I was doing some things in the background. Turns out there is a uh, Misfits podcast ready button. They only put out like 16 episodes. Talk about that off, off recording. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I just wanted to give y'all a heads up. All right, sounds good. There we go. Well, we'll just we'll just stall. Fits fits for the day. There we go. We'll, we'll think of something. Uh,